0: Good morning, it's DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, the zone. Well, the Utes do it, they beat Washington, they advance, Uh, there were stretches of the game where they looked pretty good, there were stretches of the game where they looked like they just wanted to run up and down and trade shots and win, they had a big lead, just get out of there, didn't seem to be really taking it all that serious in lockdown mode or anything, and I guess they didn't need to since they won. And, uh, you know, they're obviously going to have to play much better to beat USC. I feel like I'm saying all the same things I said after BYU Pepperdine. (laughs) I mean, they won, but they didn't play great. (laughs) It didn't go overtime. And and three points is a little misleading because Washington hit a three with eight-tenths of a second left to take the six-point lead down. Uh, The game, a a lot of the second half, the lead was between eight and 15 points. Um, It was pretty loosey-goosey out there, and they're going to have to play a lot better to beat USC. Uh, but they got the win it hasn't been enough winning and Cal beat Stanford. So Stanford will tell you, you know, uh, ugly wins are better than ugly losses. That's for sure. Uh, Larry Kristoviak, his thoughts after the game. Here's the Utes head coach with SI.com.
1: Larry, allowing 95 points probably isn't something that, that you're very pleased about, but just being able to to call your way into getting a win. Uh, how does it feel right now?
2: Well, it feels good. I mean, we gave up 60 points in the second half, so it was uh it got to be a little bit of an ugly barrage at, at the end, but you know, shoot. 36 minutes of the game I thought we were pretty solid. Uh a lot of offensive rebounds when they missed, they outscrapped us going down the stretch. We missed free throws, had turnovers. It wasn't a good finish, but um our defense was a lot better than giving up the number of points than than we gave up. It was it was uh kind of a perfect storm. It d- doesn't make you feel great going into it, but this isn't the time of year that you think too much about it. we got to move on for uh, the next ball game against the Trojans. So hopefully we can sharpen some things up prior to that.
1: And then to follow up on that, you guys made 14 threes, shot 53% from beyond the arc. Was a lot of that just a, of what, what the defense was giving you or, or were the guys really feeling it?
2: Well, I mean, a, a little bit of both. I thought in the first half we we had a lot of one pass threes uh you know I, we led our conference in two-point field goal percentage uh we were ninth in the country if it you know i free throw percentage if it weren't for colorado we would have led the conference in uh, free throws and twos and so that doesn't always set up well to come down and cast off a bunch of threes but we were making them guys did hit shots but i would have liked to have seen us get the ball inside and you know if you can get a if you can get a one pass three early in a possession my guess is you can get one late but that was kind of the nature of the game a little bit up tempo our guys shared the basketball and and I this is the time of year when you want to be knocking down shots i was uh I was proud of it to have six people in double figures is is a little bit unusual in a college game but um you know this is the time when guys need to be using up their rounds of ammunition and and making them.
3: Next question will come from
4: Ryan Kosteka followed by Josh Newman with the Salt Lake Tribune.
3: Coach, typically you have, you know, three to four weeks before you play in a phone again, as far as Pac-12 goes. You play in the UFC, you know, a weekend later. Does that bode well, you know, better for you or for them?
2: I'm sorry. Uh, that was a little choppy of a question. That was uh, a little bad reception. Would you mind repeating that, please?
3: Sorry about that. Uh, go ahead and ask someone else, then.
1: Go ahead and go next. All right, we'll move on to Josh Newman, followed by Jay Drew with the Deseret News. Larry, the big run there in the first half when you guys broke it open. Um, were you happy with, you know, the, you know, the aggression from your team and, and the willingness to go up and down and may, and maybe, you know, kind of make Washington get uncomfortable, not able to get into their 2-3 zone like they'd like?
2: Well, they they've changed the philosophy a little bit. It it started in a two three zone until about the first or second pass, and then they were going man. Um, So you know the guys found a a pretty decent rhythm. I just the the uh, Achilles heel for us tonight, I thought, was some sloppy turnovers, some pet uh, catching and passing. uh, You know, simple plays whether they were at the end or even early in the game, but uh, offensively we were pretty darn efficient if we didn't turn the thing over and if we moved it multiple times. Um, But yeah, we, our guys were aggressive, as I said, and guys were feeling it a little bit. We shared it decently. And um, you know, we, we need, we need, obviously when you give up 60 points in the second half, we needed all those buckets, but, but we, you know, we're about to play USC, which is, one of the top teams, not only in our conference, but in the country at defending the two point line and the three point line. And you just there's not as much margin for error. We're going to have to be a lot more crisp and um, and do a better job of of moving the ball. And certainly with their shot blocking ability inside, um, it's it's going to pose a little different challenge. But tonight I thought it was great. I I love the the offense for 90 percent of the ball game.
1: Just a quick follow up. When you're in a situation like this tournament time where you know, you play again tomorrow night. There's no practice time. You know, how do you go about trying to fix things that you thought went wrong uh, on such a short turnaround?
2: Yeah, well, you know, I, I mentioned that in our post game meeting. You know, we uh, we aren't going to be able to fix turnovers. I think a lot of it's a mindset that you bring in, and you know, the the classic saying of uh, mental is the physical is four is the one this is not a time of year that we're going to improve our skill level. We're not going to improve our shooting touch. We're not going to get any bigger in the weight room. You know, a lot of those physical things just aren't happening and teams that advance right now become a little bit stronger mentally. And hopefully this was a little bit of a wake up call, a correction to be able to win a game, but yet not be very sharp going down the stretch. Um, You know, so we've, we, we've, I think we're, we're pleased with where we were here, but obviously moving forward um, we, we got to sharpen the saw a little bit without a lot of practice time. I, I think uh gentleman from SI, one of the questions was the fact that we played USC. I just heard the USC a couple of weeks ago that, you know, it's in it. It's not an advantage for either team, but there's not a whole lot that's changed. So the scout and the prep, turning right around is better than maybe if, you know, it's an opponent that we hadn't played in a long time that could be doing things differently. I think we know what we're going to get from USC. So, um, there's a benefit to that.
3: Next question will come from Jay drew followed by Josh Furlong and Sam Gordon, Larry, that you mentioned the sloppy turnovers.
5: There were a couple of calls in the turn in the first half where they were calling traveling on on that step back that we've seen Alfonso do all year. Uh, did you get an explanation for that or was he really traveling I guess would be my question
2: Well' I, I'm, that's not really part of my job description. I felt like on the first one it was an obvious travel and on the second one in my discussions with the referees, a little bit of an interpretation. I thought he was uh, it was a pullback dribble on the second one. he hadn't picked the ball up and I you know, in my discussions with the uh, with the officials, they could see that point. and some of those plays are hard to call bang, bang when they're live. Fonz has got to clean it up a little bit. It's uh, it's it's a, it's an unusual move, and he's got to make sure that he's crisper and defines his pivot foot, and also the point at which he picks picks the ball up for the step back. You can't pick the ball up and then take a two-step back. If you're in the middle of a pullback dribble when you do the step back, then it becomes legal. And I think, uh, you know, without seeing the film, I I felt like the first one was obviously a travel. The second one, I wasn't so sure.
5: And just what benefits are there to having played the game, having gotten used to the arena, gotten used to the unusual atmosphere?
2: Well, you never know about that. You know, it's gone both ways. Um, We've been on both ends of it. I think it's going to be what – I like the fact that we played – you know, got our feet wet a little bit. It had been a long time since Washington had played a game that I think they, they were close to two weeks off without playing. So uh, as far as tomorrow goes, it's hard to say, I think, you know, you were looking at a USC team that's uh, coach of the year, player of the year, defensive player of the year, all kinds of stuff. So I don't know if it's going to make much difference in their mind, uh, them not playing, and they played recently against UCLA. So I, I'm just happy to be playing right now. And I guess that'll be a uh, a question that you guys would have some interpretation of after you watch the game tomorrow and see if a team looks rusty. Uh, I wouldn't guess that we're going to look tired. So I, I'm just again, I'm just happy to be advancing and and playing.
4: Next question will come from Josh Furlong, followed by Sam Gordon and Josh Newman.
6: Yeah, Larry, T Mobile Arena hasn't been too kind to you in conference play ever since you guys moved there. You haven't won a game until tonight. Is it nice to kind of get that that monkey, so to speak, off your back? I know you don't generally care about those types of streaks or whatever that are, but but is it nice to kind of finally get that win just to just to kind of shake it off and say that you can do it?
2: Yeah, I, I most definitely. You know, this is not a time of year that you want to be in a in a one and done situation. And uh I thought there was a little, you know we got a a couple of years that we got to buy and we ran into the hottest team in the league in Oregon that got on a string. And, um, you know, look, you can always come up with, uh, with storylines, but the one year I think we beat California by 30 points and then you end up playing them in the first round of the tournament. And sometimes human nature comes into play, but it, it hasn't felt good. We did get a win against Kentucky here. So it's not a building jinx. It's more of a PAC 12 conference jinx. And, uh we certainly would like to get a little you know feel better about it and be able to uh to get some wins so there's no doubt I didn't think about it until you just mentioned it and uh and discuss that but yes certainly and following
6: up real quick on that or not on that necessarily but last year obviously COVID uh kind of hit right as you guys were playing the game everything was being canceled as you were playing and you guys found out pretty much that the world was shutting down after that game. What what was it like to kind of come back to this, this environment, knowing the full year that we've had, uh, just just having that as the context, especially with no fans in the stands?
2: Yeah, it's still a little bit eerie. You know, the the, uh, the casino is fairly dead, a lot of restaurants dead, although things are opened up here once we get closer to the weekend. It was more of a Monday, Tuesday shutdown. But, I, you know, it, it was a year ago. And a lot of times when you get as old as I am, uh, years fly by, you know, it's like, wow, that was a fast year between birthdays and different things. And this was one of those occasions. I've said it before that if this was a year since we were here last, it seemed like it could be dog years to the point where it was like seven years. It seems like so much has transpired. We've had a lot of adversity ups and downs. We've had stuff going on with our family personally. And and different things that have just made it. It's definitely not one of those cases where he said, man, this year flew by. Um, so I think there's some optimism. We got daylight savings coming up this week. Uh, we've got needles that are going in people's bodies. The days are getting longer. I think all of the the medical profession and everybody's got a handle on things. And it's like my physician and my knee, knee doctor told me years ago when I suffered a lot of injuries. If it doesn't kill you, it's just going to make you stronger. And I think uh, our program and our players have gone through an awful lot, but this is going to be one of those things I think that makes us all more resilient. I'm thankful that we have a chance to play. There's some conferences that aren't playing. There's some teams that aren't playing. So to keep it in perspective, I feel like we're fortunate to be able to keep playing this game, but it certainly has been a challenging year.
0: All right, the Utes pick up the win over Washington. They'll play again tonight against USC. I think that one is at 630. And, of course, the Aggies will play tonight as well. UNLV blew out Air Force 80-52. to So it'll be Utah State and UNLV. In the quarterfinals of the Mountain West Conference Tournament, and the big sky gets underway with quarterfinals too. Northern Colorado is playing SUU, and that game starts at like 11 o'clock Mountain Time. It is way early up in Boise, and they got the first game, which gives them the most recovery time. They're the one seed. We were stayed on the other side of the bracket uh, as the three seed. They draw the last game of the night. So they'll play tonight at seven. All right, DJ and PK, more to come. Stay with us. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Tim Lacombe is coming up. Stay with us.
5: Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show.
0: DJ PK brought to you in part by The Warehouse. Join the big show Friday at The Warehouse from 2 to 6 at 1825 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Aw, uh, boom! DJ PK, time to welcome in Tim Lacombe, Jazz Radio Studio Analyst, former BYU assistant, former staff member at Utah. Tim, good morning. Good morning. So, Tim, we have been discussing a question which you are uniquely qualified to answer. Or some would say. No, you really are. (laughs) So, BYU, trying to close the gap with Gonzaga. And we saw BYU, after getting handled easily twice by the Zags, the third time, they jump out to a big lead, they're hitting shots, Gonzaga's defense, and they weren't really interested in pressuring guys 20, 25 feet from the hoop. But they got down 12 at halftime, and suddenly they were interested in that. And Kispert got hot, and that made it a game really quickly. And then the last four minutes, they were the better team, and they pulled away. So that's a one-game a one deal. But to pull a program alongside of Gonzaga, can BYU do that? How do you do that and sustain it? What hurdles does BYU have to overcome? Obviously, there are going to be some recruiting hurdles, and depending on how you recruit, there might be pushback from some of the fan base— can that gap be closed aside from few retires and/or few leaves?
4: You know, I don't. Uh, I wasn't very successful at chasing down the zags. Um, you know, we, we 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 certainly got the better of them a few times, but um, you know, they are that number one by their name is pretty ominous and. You know, just for those that that aren't aware, that's number one in the country. That's not number one in the conference, um, although they're number one in the conference too. Um, it, it's just what they have going there is, is really amazing. I, I think uh, it, it really is kind of a, a situation where now they're getting, you know, they're in the mix right now for the number one player in the country next year. Um, and Suggs wasn't far off. So they continue to really kind of, Elevate their program, um, but I think what we saw last night—I mean, you know—reminded me of a game. I all the years run together, but we were we were in a game there in the Orleans late um, that was tight, um, like that game was. I think last night six minutes it was tied, and um, you know you got to credit BYU with a great effort. But I think the thing that you know you wake up this morning. As a coach at BYU, administrator, I think those are the very things that are on your mind. Um, as great a, a game and season as it was, you know, there's there's unfinished business. You know, you want to hang a banner. You want to win the league. You want to win a conference tournament. And Gonzaga's pretty good at that. So um, I, I think things are trending in the right direction. And I, I really like the direction Mark's recruiting. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, the hard part is you can work on your hand, but the guy across the, the table's got a hand as well, and you have no chance to influence that hand at all. You just got to play yours.
7: So how would we be received in the BYU community if they fielded teams that had uh, no starters who'd served a mission and they're all transfers coming out, or most of them anyway, and don't fit the historical BYU mode?
4: Well, uh, you know, I, I can only speak from experience in that, um, you know, BYU is a a place that is is a, a, you know for members of the church, and then you you put guys that play basketball on top of that. You know, you, you're always going to have that that draw of getting the best players. I think what you know, uh, I honestly believe because I've seen this everywhere. Regardless of the makeup of the squad, really the only thing that matters because I think everybody can get behind a winner. Um, you know, if a team is made up differently, I, I really think what BYU did bringing Gideon George in his story. You know, I think there's there's ways that you can bring transfers
8: um,
4: and guys in that aren't part of the of the faith, but I think that it can really be a promising thing, can you build your entire roster that way? Uh, I'm glad I'm not the one trying because I would imagine that will rock the boat. But, you know, I, th- I think Mark's smart. He's going to he's gonna continue to get the best players he can that want to be there, and then they're going to do a great job of, of finding kind of and discovering guys that maybe don't seem like a natural fit that, that look like, um, you know, that they belong here.
0: Well, you bring up several questions uh, when you say that, and so I guess I'm thinking, well, you can't build a roster completely out of transfers, but if you had a core of guys who were the traditional local guy you recruit, some go on missions, maybe some don't, but most probably do, uh, I guess the question then is, is the local high school and AAU scene producing enough of those guys or they're going to be years even back-to-back years where you just have to pass because if you take somebody the best guy really isn't good enough to get to the level you want to get at with Gonzaga
4: you know I think that's a decision you've got to make uh, in-house I mean our I can tell you what our philosophy was our philosophy was to get the very very best player we could obviously that had a a keen interest and desire in BYU was on their list. You know, it was, a, it was guys like, you know, the Haws, you know, people think that TJ and Ty were just done deals and, you know, TJ was more so because his process was different, but you know, Ty went right to the wire. Ty was going to go to Stanford and, and thank God we got him because uh, we all know what he did at BYU. And so I think, um, I do believe, I think if you look up the makeup of BYU's rosters over time, um, you know, you're always going to try to get those guys. And then from there, it's really, you know, we we had some success, you know, going in in, and fishing out of different ponds. You know, we we made some inroads down in Vegas with with Gorman down there, and we were able to get a couple players out of Vegas. And, um, you know, we jumped hard into – understanding junior college and tried to take guys that made made sense um but i really do think as far as mark's plan and vision um you know pretty much everything he talked about uh early on i think that those things are in play and you know this is two years in a row that you know last year if there's a tournament they're in it and this year you know they've earned their way in and i know how hard that is man it's hard to do and they did a great job in the regular season, you know, to make sure that at this point they're in, um, there were a lot of tenuous moments for us in this, this week off. Um, So can you, can you exclusively do it? I don't know. um, Because I didn't do it, but I think that the, the staff has a great, great feel for what works and what doesn't. And I think BYU is evolving a little bit. I mean, you know, I, you can just look at the hair. <laughs> I was talking in passing with a buddy of mine down there at works there. And I was like, man, I, I, we had zero Mohawks in the time I was there. and uh, You know, anytime we had facial hair, we got letters. And so, I mean, I think things are evolving just in time, too. So, um, hopefully all those things coupled together, Mark can just continue to build this thing.
7: What do you think Elias Solo brings to the Jazz?
4: Um, you know what? He's a stretch guy. He's a guy that another guy that can step out on the floor. I think it diversifies when they go big. Um, we talked about it we haven't seen a whole lot of favors in, in Rudy, but there are times where you want to go a little bigger and what he provides is uh, a a capable, you know, 36% career. Is that right? Three point shooter. Um, a guy that can step out and shoot it. It gives you some size. Um, you know, I think with, uh, with George, you know, it may impact George a little bit because he may get some of those minutes. But I, but I think it's uh, it's just an oppor- a way for the Jazz to be a little bit more versatile. And as the playoffs come, to be able to have, you know, you got to have a couple different ways and lineups to play in the NBA that match um, and maybe even create an advantage. So I'd say that's what he's there for.
0: 36.5% career three-point shooter. If you go back, there are. Three, I was off. I'm sorry. Here, there, no, you uh, That was the point. As you were on the, uh, there were three years in his twenties, uh, two in Milwaukee, and then a portion of a season in Orlando, not a full season, where he did shoot over forty percent. There were two years in Milwaukee. He shot forty four and forty five percent. So he wasn't shooting as many then. If you get him to be selective, maybe you find spots on the floor. How much can the Jazz coaches tweak and make this better? And how much is this an insurance policy, a 10th guy for occasional matchups, and we shouldn't overthink it? Or if there's an injury, you know, then someone you can plug in, maybe someone who would be better suited to play out basketball and has more experience than mieoni who right now looks like the guy before the, this move that you would be plugging in. But you might be plugging into a series, you know, Lakers, Clippers, Suns, whoever, that's maybe a little more than uh, he can handle at this point in his career.
4: Yeah, I think that's what he I mean if if I were to guess, I don't I don't think they made a move for a rotational player here. I think I think the the move is is like exactly what you and I said to diversify the bench to um you know to to see what a guy who can come in there at the forge like we see with George, keep the floor space and spread. Uh I think he's really going to at least I was really going to benefit from the way the ball moves here. Um you know, I think he he saw something you know, Milwaukee has a, a a good idea offensively, but it does stop a lot with Giannis and, um, and Middleton. And I think what he, I think he'll be impressed the way the, by, the ball flies around. And when the ball flies around, that just indicates that the, the defense is a step behind it. And, you know, because the ball, the ball is the most important thing. It can move quicker. So if you can move that thing like the Jazz are moving it and share it, I think he'll really benefit from that in his time on the floor.
7: We know going in the All-Star break, the Jazz lost, what, three out of four, four out of seven, and so there was obviously a little bit of slippage, which could be expected because they were winning at such a phenomenal rate. With that in mind, how important is these first few games coming out of the break?
4: I think they're huge. Um, you know, I think if you kind of compare it to a, a game, um, you know, we're basically at halftime, and so it's important to come out and be, be sharp, uh, to be really good, and, and not show any weakness. Um I thought last night, you know, BYU and the Gonzaga game is a perfect example. I think that BYU really was free and easy and played hard. But I also believe Gonzaga gave them a little more real estate than they typically do. Uh, At halftime, I think two things happened. I think BYU got a little tight with the lead. um, And that coupled with Gonzaga being a little bit more um, prone to guarding them closer. Uh, You know, that kind of flipped the game back to even. And what the Jazz want to do, really, in this is they just want to keep distance between themselves. And in order to do that, you got to continue to play well. I haven't seen um, any indication that the Jazz will slow down considerably. I was a little concerned, you know, defensively in that stretch. Um, it was probably the area that slipped the most. Um, and even then, you know, the Jazz had stretches in those games where they guarded really well. So it's just a matter, I think more than anything, this rest and not just not just physical rest, but mental rest to get away from it. I mean hell' I'm the, I'm the pre path and post guy, and I was famished, I was exhausted, I needed a break, you know so i'm 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 working on my r and r right now, and I can't even imagine what the guys must feel like, so they're uh they'll come out of the break in it, but it's really important. You want to maintain momentum, and the only way you can do that is to, to continue to play well. Um, but this team's really really focused and, and I actually kind of like this new addition because it it 'll re- require guys to be really engaged and, and they 'll be a part of this where they bring Ilyasova along and while they 're doing that you know it 'll help them keep their heads where they need to be and um, but I, but I like all the direction that's disappointing. pointing. I like the way that the schedule stacks up for sure. <laughs>
0: So watching that BYU-Gonzaga game and watching uh, what you say about the real estate they were willing to give up, yeah. uh, Quinn Snyder always talks about pickup points. And, you know, for people who haven't played and haven't gotten into this, and, and PK's real, always really into the mental aspect. You know, when do you think you can do something and when do you think you can't? Because that'll decide a big chunk of whether you can do it or not. And I thought Gonzaga in the first half let BYU bring the ball right to the three-point line and run their offense. And they could swing the ball from side to side, and the ball never really left the three-point line. In the second half, the pickup point got extended out five, sometimes even 10 or 12 feet beyond the three-point line. And guys were uncomfortable. Guys weren't looking for shots. They were just looking not to turn the ball over and move it to the next guy and say, yeah, maybe we can get over to the other side and get a shot. Can you talk about what that does and what that does to shooters' confidence?
4: Yeah, it's it's really in this and I saw it right from the beginning. You know, I mean, really the indicator on offense, BYU runs a lot of dribble handoff, and you know, like you said, those dribble handoffs were right at the three point line, and those are such great attack areas as an offense. That's where you want to be. You want to be really spaced, but you you want to be you know part of being on attack is is owning that that kind of intermediate space, and I did, BYU did that really well in the first half, and I thought again, Gonzaga kind of lost that battle it was interesting because i knew mark Few would light him up Um, uh, you know the one thing he he won't stand for is bad effort and uh, i think that's one of his his real um and i don't necessarily think it was nec- his bad effort as much as maybe they they were just a little bit lax and byu was just on fire and you know as byu continued to make shots it, it really does get frustrating so by Going into the locker room, I knew Mark would jump them, and I knew they'd come out with a ton of energy. And, you know, I almost expected in that that start of that second half, BYU would get some back doors because that's really the key to breaking that pressure. Um, but what ended up happening is BYU just got pushed out more on the floor. Their backs were to the basket. You know, like you mentioned, DJ, that's a, a really good point. Um, you know, that it was more, hey, I need to complete this handoff or pass as opposed to uh, – you know, let's let's really drive, create an advantage, and kick. Um, so it's a mental part of the game, and, and it's uh, a part that Gonzaga really kind of honed in hard last night, second half. And BYU, you know, to their credit, on 11-2 run, they didn't just roll over. They they had one more run in and shot and got that thing, like I said, to six minutes tied. Um, and it, it, but really, the last couple minutes, Gonzaga just really kind of put the the, the pedal down and. Coasted away, Uh, but that is a game within a game. Uh, Real estate, you know, isn't just a uh, a commodity; it's a part of the basketball. And whoever really wins that real estate battle has a really good chance of winning the game.
7: So you've been out of coaching for a couple years. Is this the time of year you miss it the most?
4: Um, it's funny because I honestly I, I miss the relationships and the associations, but. I strategically walked away because I wanted to make sure there wouldn't be a whole lot of longing. And so I almost went a year longer than, than I planned to make sure that this was the course and the track I wanted for my life. So right now, while I enjoy it, it's more like I'm back in high school, to be honest with you. Um, I used to skip school all the time during tournament weeks to sit and watch basketball 24-7. Um, my parents would get so mad, but it was my it was what I loved to do and I never forget to get in the u s a today you know the monday of after selection Sunday, and it had a whole section everything broke down of every team, strengths weaknesses, bracket, you know who they suggest, maybe some upsets, picks. I just love to dive into that, so what I would say is I don't miss it from you know the the coaching seat. What I'm really doing is being able to appreciate it again as a fan, which is really cool.
0: So is Gonzaga going to do it? Are they going to win it all? Are they going to go undefeated? Because you probably go back to—I don't, I don't know how old you are. High school, junior high. How old were you in Indiana? Went I was
4: uh, six years old. Kent Benson and Quinn Buckner.
0: A little before your time, in other words. No, I was. You right were in cut there. in school at six. <laughs> yeah, I was. Really? I was, I was First grade? Come on.
4: No, I'm just joking. Come on. No, I
0: I just, you know what I
4: remember about them? I remember the SI cover with Quinn Buckner and, and uh, Ken Benson. I remember that. Um, but I don't know, man. I, I hope they can, because I will tell you this. There is no finer person on this planet than Mark Few, and he deserves it for what he's done. He's uh, done a great job. He's universally loved across the game, and it's hard to do that when you win 90% of your games because you're ticking a lot of people off. Um, but it's hard to do. The reason it hasn't been done for a long time, it hasn't been done a whole lot, period, is it's really hard to do. And the NCAA tournament's all about matchups. You know, it's no different for BYU. They're they're now sitting on pins and needles, and you know, I'll I'll never forget when we were up against it. You know, BYU had not won a tournament game. You know, you speak about all the great years BYU had in their history uh, and some of the great players that came through. You know, that 2001 team, they, they won the, the conference tournament, but they still did not win a game in the NCAA tournament. And so it's hard to do that. And and it's all about matchups. So we were, I remember sitting there and we're up against it. We want to win a game so bad in the tournament because we're so tired of hearing that BYU hadn't won one since 88. I think is that the year that they beat somebody?
0: Um, well, I think Roger I think, Reed won a game in the early 90s. but
4: Okay. Yeah, oh, 92, 92. 92, I think it was. They beat SMU, I think, was the last win. Um, but you think about 92 to 2007, and that's how long it was before BYU won a basketball game in the NCAA tournament, and that was weighing on us so bad. And uh, we got Texas A&M. We got Texas A&M again. Okay. And then we got Florida out of the SEC in the first round. So we were having these great years. I mean, I think we won 30 games the year we beat Florida. And we still had to play a team like that, a Power 5 team, who was really tough. Chandler Parsons was on that team. They were good. And we ended up beating them in overtime, and we got that monkey off our back. Um, but my point is, now you sit and wait for matchups. And for BYU, you know, they're looking at that first game um and praying that's a great matchup for them is looking is <laughs> looking up and down the bracket right they're they're in a different place where they're saying okay here's our first round matchup and that's going to be a 16 and then we got to look down who's our two who's our four you know who are, who are the teams that could cause us some issues and you get right to work on it um and that's what's fun about it man is it now at this point you've done all your work you put your body, you know, in front of the committee and now they're going to tell you what they think you're worth and they're going to tell you who you got to beat. And so it's a fun time, a couple of days and we'll know.
0: Well, you got a few more days of R&R. Friday we'll hear you on the Jazz Pre-Half and Post.
4: That's right. And uh I miss Jake, man. I've gotten this rhythm where we're kind of like the step brothers. <laughs> uh, we we're with each other all the time. We actually got bunk beds up there in that studio. If the things get too late, we just you know, say our prayers and jump into bed and go to sleep. So we'll see. We'll see. But uh, Friday it comes, so I'm going to enjoy Wednesday and Thursday like I've never enjoyed Wednesday and Thursday before.
0: <laughs> thank you, Tim. All right. Thank you all. DJ and PK, there is Tim Lacombe, former BYU assistant basketball coach. Now you hear him on the Jazz pre-half and post-game shows. When we come back, Andy Bailey from Bleacher Report, the Jazz make a move. The Nets made a move. Are the Lakers going to make a move? We'll get to that next. Stay with us
5: From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, the Zone, and the Zone Sports Network.
0: DJPK brought to you apart by Davis Vision. Davis Vision has given you 1,000 reasons to get rid of those contacts or glasses. That's $1,000 off LASIK. Start your road to better vision at davisvisionmd.com or call them at 801 253 That's Davis Vision. Time to welcome in Andy Bailey, NBA writer for Bleacher Report. Andy, good morning.
6: Good morning. How are you guys?
0: Excellent. Maybe not as good as uh, Erson Ilyasova. Who knows he's getting an NBA paycheck? Yes. <laughs> How big a deal is that for the Jazz? Is that just a little move around the uh, around the edges, a little insurance policy? Or do you see it as more than that?
6: I would probably say it's it's a move around the edges, as you described. But, you know, I, I think Utah's bigger need may still be perimeter defense, just more bodies to throw at guys like LeBron James or Kawhi Leonard or Paul George. Um, and so from that sense, it's a little bit curious. Um, but you can see why the Jazz would like him. I mean, they've they've been in the business of forwards who can shoot for a while, and he makes sense on that front. I I don't think that he, you know, immediately steps into a huge role. If anything, he maybe supplants George Niang somewhere down the line. But Niang has you know proved himself to be a pretty valuable shooter off the bench too. So he he might even have to fight for minutes um, once he gets there. And Utah's got a pretty stout eight or nine man rotation already. Um so I you know it's not a huge earth-shattering move but I you know I could see how he could help down the line he's certainly a guy who can rebound a little bit and, and hit some threes he's he's not a great three-point shooter he's kind of a mid-30s guy for his career um but mostly it's it's I think the way you described it is good it's it's probably an insurance policy
7: So then do you see them making another move to get that perimeter defender you speak of
6: Well yeah I mean uh, What's interesting is, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe they let Shaq Harrison go um, uh-huh. to sign Ersan Ilyasova. Silva. So that that was interesting because, you know, I I thought he's a guy who could maybe be that perimeter defender and maybe he just didn't show enough behind the scenes to stick around. Um, you know, so certainly that move could be out there. The, the Ilya Silva signing, frankly, surprised me quite a bit because I thought they were pretty set already. Um, you don't get the point differential Utah has right now and the best record in the league without being pretty good and having a pretty strong rotation. Um, so I was a little surprised to see any moves at all. And so I would, I would kind of default to that position again. I'd, I'd be surprised if they made another move just because I think they're really good. Um, and, you know, certainly no team wants to rest on their laurels and, and not get better. So they're probably looking for that kind of help. Um, but I don't think it's going to be any name that blows us away. If if there's another signing or a small trade or something like that, it'll probably be um, around the same level of impact as this Silva deal.
0: You know, the thing that always seems to me is that, first off, for the guys who they're struggling to defend, well, the whole league is struggling to defend those guys. And if you get somebody who can at least make life hard for those guys – Well, then he's going to hurt you offensively, and you're going to have to play a four-on-five a little bit because whoever they bring in is not going to shoot the ball as well as the guys they have because if you can defend that well and you can shoot the ball that well, you're already in the league and you're a star. So I get why people want or think the Jazz need that because everybody needs another one of those guys. Literally every—I mean, the Lakers could use more depth. They could use one of those guys, but those guys aren't available.
6: I I think you are you hit the nail on the head there and I and I actually think sort of the national conversation regarding that need for the jazz is a little bit overblown. I think they have closing lineups where they can certainly play Joe Ingles and Royce O'Neill at the same time and those are two of the better perimeter forward defenders in the league. Um you know, <laughs> jazz fans I'm sure remember fondly when Joe Ingles basically shut Paul George out of a series. Um a few years ago, he's he's an underrated perimeter defender. I think Russ O'Neill is one of the best perimeter defenders in the league right now. Um, where Utah runs into a little trouble, I think is is their backcourt's kind of small with Calmi and Mitchell, and that can cause some problems. But I think they have more options on the perimeter than people give them credit for. And like you said, you know, even if they give up a little bit of um, you know defensive solid. I don't know if I'm making up words at this point. Um, they make up for it with the ridiculous amount of shooting that they put on the floor. Um, you know, I, I'm still probably in the camp of, you know, if it's a seven-game series against the Lakers or, or probably even the Clippers, I'd probably pick one of those L.A. teams. But I think Utah is much closer to a title contender uh, than people want to give them credit for.
7: So when the second half resumes, they've got the home game against Houston. Then they play the next couple of weeks, so in a seven-day span, they're playing four games each of the next two weeks. And that's a lot of games, but I know that everybody else is in the same boat to one extent or another. But considering that they went into the All-Star break a little bit of a slump, how important would you say those first two weeks are, knowing that the games are coming at them fast and furious?
6: Yeah, I'd say it's pretty important. I you know, it would certainly be nice to enter the playoffs as the one seed. I don't I don't know if they have that as a goal on the whiteboard or anything like that. Um, but they want to get some of that momentum back that they had at the beginning of the year. I also don't think, you know, it it would be nice if they came out and blew the doors off to start this second half of the season and got all the media um, back behind. I mean, it seemed to me like the media was very excited to jump on, I wouldn't even call it a losing streak that they had before um, the All-Star break. They just happened to lose a couple games, which happens to everybody. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if they want or need that respect back from the media. It's more about just, can you have home court throughout the um, Western Conference postseason? And, and though they have a tough schedule at the start of the second half of the season, once they get through that, um, it, it should lighten up quite a bit. It, I, I'm pretty sure the last time I checked, Utah had the easiest remaining strength of schedule in a week. Um, so if they can get through a couple bumps here early on, I, I think they'll be in pretty good shape.
0: So because the Jazz have looked... Uh... They have looked a step slow, maybe a little run down. When they've had to play three games in four days, they've done to get to the third one. It's a bit of a struggle. You probably don't have to do it in the playoffs. Maybe you play a seven-game series and you get a back-to-back in the next series, but it's not really something that happens much in the playoffs. So since you don't have to prep for that in the playoffs, what about the idea now, since you've got an eight-, nine-, ten-man rotation uh, with Niang and Silva, and with Mieoni being kind of an 11th guy now – what about the idea of when you hit these back-to-backs and the three games in four days scenario? Rotating guys out of the lineup and sitting them for one night, with the exception of Gobert and Favors, you really can't because you got two guys and you need them both. But in every other place, it seems like they got enough depth. I mean, they, they were two and zero when Donovan Mitchell missed. that yeah, well, they were two and zero when Favors was gone too, for that matter.
6: Yeah, that was you know you mentioned the record uh, when Mitchell sat, and that was kind of what was going through my head as you were laying out that question. I I think they've also been pretty successful when Conley has sat Mm -hmm. this season. And if you go back to last season, um, you know, they, they had that winning streak when, when Conley was out, um, you know, that's the benefit of depth and everybody has made that 2014 Spurs comparison to this Utah jazz team over the last several weeks. And I think this is another one where we can see some parallels, um, that Spurs team, and, and really for a, a few years uh, during that era, the Spurs were really good at playing you know, 11 or 12 guys, um, and it's not to make everybody feel good and, and give everybody a chance to play. Um, it keeps legs fresh for the playoffs, and I think a, a fringe benefit of that is you know, if you give Mie Aone a few more minutes here in the next couple weeks or, you know, over the second half of the season, and suddenly somebody gets hurt in the playoffs and Mione is called upon to have a more significant role in a series in a big moment, he's going to be more prepared for that um, than he would be if he just spent the entire second half of the season on the bench. So Utah's depth um, could really come in handy as, as this second half of the season is going to have to be compressed for a lot of teams.
7: How much are you buying the Suns?
6: um i'm kind of on the fence with them I'm, I'm not as ready to jump in and call them a title contender as i've heard some other people i you know i maybe it's not fair but i i still want to see devin booker hasn't played in the playoffs i mean that's i think that's important um deandre Ayton, of course hasn't played in the playoffs and i think deandre Ayton generally, they haven't quite figured out his role um in this new ecosystem with, with Chris Paul and Devin Booker there. Um, I really like their wings. I, I think Michael Bridges is great, and Cameron Johnson is is a good player, and um, Chris Paul has obviously been a stabilizing factor there, just like he was with OKC. Um, so there's there's no question that they're good, and I, and I would put them on the fringe. You know, I, I would say Tier 1 right now in terms of teams I think can win the title would be like the Lakers, the Clippers, uh, the Bucks, the Sixers, the Nets, and the Jazz, um, and I would say the Suns are in Tier Two, whatever that may mean. And I don't know who all is in there with them. Um, are they knocking on the door for Tier One? Maybe, but I, you know, I'm still just a little bit hesitant because we just we haven't seen as much from them. I mean, obviously we've seen a ton from Chris Paul over the course of his career, but this is still relatively new with the Suns, and it's it's. Um, maybe a little too early to crown them.
0: You know, you were talking about how versatile uh, the Jazz were and the options they have. The one thing we really haven't seen a lot of, well, that may not be, one thing we haven't seen as much as I think some Jazz fans are intrigued by is Joe Ingles closing if the Jazz think the backcourt is too small in a given matchup. You know, take Conley out at the end of the game. Or... We saw the Sixers go right at Bogdanovich in overtime. They clearly thought, he's a defensive liability, we can attack him, and they did, and they got enough buckets to win the game. So if there's a a matchup issue with either one of those guys, why not put Ingles in the closing lineup and take out one of those guys? How willing would you be be to do that, and how much does that mess with whatever chemistry we're going to hear about, blah, blah, blah?
6: that's that's the big consideration obviously is what does it do um to the other guys and and as far as i can tell this is a team that's got a lot of very level-headed players um and whoever that odd man out may be would would hopefully be okay with that but that's something i've been thinking about for weeks i mean if you look at lineup data um yeah there are some lineups that are just phenomenal with joe ingles in them and and versatility is how you started that question um He's extremely versatile. I, th- you know, he can he can be as effective a spot up shooter as Bogdanovich is, but he's a, a much better perimeter defender, um, and he's a much better decision maker in the, the pick and roll. I mean, we saw that con- that uh, chemistry between he and Derek Favors two years ago in the pick and roll, and I think he's got a little bit of that with Gobert now, too. I, you know, I, I just think he does more than Bogdanovich does, and I don't know if that's me saying that Bogdanovich is the one who needs to be bumped out um but there are certainly some games and situations where i think ingles needs to be on the floor in the closing minutes i I think he's shown so much over the last several seasons that he's a guy who doesn't shy away from big moments i already mentioned that series against paul george um you know he hits big shots but he also comes up big on defense a lot down the stretch so they're going to have to think about that that's this is (laughs) the burden of having six or seven guys who can close. I mean, there are other games where you think, you know, Jordan Clarkson should be out there, um, the way that he can get the offense on track. I mean, there are so many options and configurations and lineups with this team that you could, you know, make an argument for being the closing five, um, and maybe it's different game to game. But, I, you know, I, for Joe Ingles specifically, I think he certainly earned more closing minutes.
7: So we've seen Blake Griffin to the Nets. Anything else you're expecting?
6: Um, this is such a weird trade deadline to try to gauge because we've got the play in tournament, of course. And so I think a lot of teams are going to talk themselves into, you know, we can be one of those top 10 teams. We can get a little bit more experience, possibly some playoff experience if we get lucky in that play in tournament. Um, you know, one team there's been a lot of buzz about is the Orlando magic over the last couple of weeks. Um, and it sounds like a lot of guys could be available for them. I mean, it would take a pretty big offer to get somebody like Bucevic, but it sounds like Evan Fournier might might be available. Aaron Gordon. Um, so that's maybe a team to could keep an eye on. The Andre Drummond buyout is still a possibility, and it sounds like he might go to the Nets too, um, which would be interesting. I think they might have a glut of big man at that point. Um, so it's it, it's long story short, it's kind of a hard trade deadline to figure out. I think the Beal thing is that's just not going to happen this season. At least it doesn't seem like it. I I think somebody would have to just blow the doors off um, for Washington to, to to consider moving him at this point. Um, So I don't, you know, I hesitate to say we're going to have a dud of a trade deadline because I thought that in years past and then we just get an avalanche of moves on that day. Um, But right now it's just kind of hard to see which team is going to open those floodgates.
0: The Lakers, or as David Locke likes to say in that drop, I hate the frickin' Lakers, uh, their their depth is sub- such an issue. Do you see them adding a guy or two, even if it's fringe player, role player? Because unlike the Jazz, where if you add somebody with one skill set, the Jazz have good depth, and now you're not as well-rounded a team. But the Lakers have depth issues, so any one skill set they add, whether it's somebody who can uh, rebound shot block, or somebody can shoot the three, or somebody can D, D guys up – That might be an asset for them in any one given series, wouldn't it?
6: Yeah, I think they should be um, relatively aggressive. Um, You know, I don't know if that means a veteran who's just kind of sitting on the couch right now and would take a veteran minimum. Um, You know, I I don't know who that guy is, but they certainly have depth problems. I think you take the second-best player off any team, and they're obviously going to struggle. So, so as long as they've got LeBron and AD in the playoffs, they're going to be formidable. Um, but those, those other positions, um, they, they could certainly use a boost around the roster. Dennis Schroeder is not as good as he was with OKC. Um, Wesley Matthews just kind of looks like a shell of himself at this point. Um, so they could, they could certainly use a boost. On the perimeter, but I would, I would be hesitant to hit the panic button. If I'm LA, I don't, I don't think they need to do anything dramatic. Um, But if there's a, if there's a veteran out there, a buyout candidate out there, they're, they're going to have their, um, they're going to have their ear on a, on a bunch of possibilities. PJ Tucker's a guy I thought about for them a little bit ago, and you know, I don't know if he suddenly becomes good again because he's been bad in Houston, frankly, and, and maybe he'll be more motivated on a contender. Um, but yeah, they they absolutely could use some depth.
0: Well, Andy, we appreciate a little bit of time you coming on talking a little NBA with us, and uh, the games are going to pick up here real quick now. Uh, thanks, Andy. Awesome, thanks for having me, guys. There's Andy Bailey from Bleacher Report coming up next. What is trending? All the college basketball, Utah, and Washington in the Pac-12 tournament. We'll get to that next.
5: Morant drives baseline, loses the handle, goes right to Valanciunas, who floats it up and in. And gets fouled again. Jonas Valanciunas, single-handedly trying to take this one over. He's got 24 and 14. To Luca, driving left to right at the elbow, behind the back to Doncic, top of the arc for three. Good for Porzingis. Doncic, jab, stepping, faking left, going right between the legs, step back over Murray for three, and there's your kill shot.
0: The NBA is back. The Memphis Grizzlies blow out the Washington Wizards and the Dallas Mavericks beat the San Antonio Spurs. Two games to get things rolling. Really busy schedule tonight, but a couple games there. And the Mavericks, I think we've all expected them to play better. Are they going to make a move here in the second half? How many teams can they catch? What's Denver going to do? A couple of storylines to follow here. And I think we expect both teams to catch San Antonio. And now San Antonio is looking to move LaMarcus Aldridge. Popovich said that before the game. He's not playing, and they are looking to trade him, and it's amicable. The PK, mm-hmm. how, who wants Aldridge? How much can he help? How much has he got left in the tank? Is he going to the east, in which case then we don't really care. But if he's going to the west and tipping the balance of power, we care.
7: I know you care. You were all hot and bothered by it.
0: Right now, no idea. No answer to those questions. DJ and PK. Hashtag
5: college basketball.
0: Well, the Utes built a massive lead and then gave most of it away. Happy to run up and down the court and trade shots with Washington. They held on to 198-95. Washington hit a hit a three with eight-tenths of a second left to make it a three-point game, but a, a 19-point lead had dwindled to six. A little dicey there at the end. Timmy Allen leads the way with 24-11. and 11. It's a win, PK.
7: Not a good-looking win, but what the heck. I thought it looked great. Really? Yes. His team's won two in a row. <laughs> what are you talking about?
0: <laughs> well, that has been rare. I'll give you that.
7: <laughs> Tim Allen is on fire. And Plummer. When Plummer scores, they're a much better team. I th- thought it was a great-looking win. And, like, a little bit at the end when they lost concentration to an extent. I'm not going to let that determine it. Absolutely, man. Now they got SC, a team that they beat pretty well just a couple of weeks ago. These are looking up for the Utes, man. Oh and, Nancy over here.
0: Twelve and twelve, chance to win a quarter, get to a semi, and have a winning record at 13 and 12. Utah State's going to play UNLV. UNLV annihilated Air Force, 80 to 52. That was a rout. So it's the Aggies and Rebels tonight. Scotty G's got the call. Coverage starts at 6.30, tip-off at 7 o'clock.
7: That's tough, man. going to go in the Thomas and Mac with all those UNLV fans of the home court. I can hear Majerus complaining about it now. Yeah,
0: this would be the one year he wouldn't complain. I mean, that? Are you kidding me? There. Friends and family. very well. Yeah, friends. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he'd complain about there not being fans there.
7: No, it, it, it's, it's the home court. It's not the fans. It's the, the gym.
0: Home it's the yeah. lighting. It's the rims, the locker room, the comfort level.
7: Well, he complained about the necessity of the conference tournament all the time, and then the team playing on the home court he complained about. It. And he felt like since he won it a number of times that it gave him credibility to complain about it. Because yeah. it wasn't just a sour grapes thing. He complained right. about it when they won. Yeah. Yeah. You're
0: losing, you're whining. Wait, you went three in a row, you got the trophy. All right. Yeah. Uh, Big Sky Tournament. Southern Utah's going to play Northern Colorado at 11 a.m., first game of the day. Gives them the most recovery time. Weber State plays the last game of the day. They're going to play the fourth quarterfinal game. They're going to play Montana. And those quarterfinals, that, that uh, tournament is up in Boise, Idaho. It in explaining a number of contingencies that could come into play if teams are exposed to COVID-19, NCAA Senior Vice President of Basketball, Dan Gavitt said that as long as the team has five healthy players, it's good to go. And if the team's coaching staff gets decimated by the coronavirus, what then? Uh, Honestly, that's probably something we should be talking about as a committee. Yeah. So, got to make it up as you go along, PK. It's unusual times. Who's saying that? That's Gavitt. Dan Gavitt, Senior Vice President of Basketball.
7: Man, I wish my father would have had a a high-paying job following Dave's footsteps. (laughs) It's amazing how often the son has the same talent as the father.
0: DJ and PK.
5: Hashtag NFL. Most anything that I've ever been involved in that ended up being special, I overpaid for. Mm. Every time to the end. Anytime I've tried to get a bargain... I got just that. It was a bargain
0: in a lot of ways and not up to standard. That's Jerry Jones on getting the deal done with Dak Prescott. Got to pay for quality, apparently, according to Jerry. Of course, the question is with the salary cap, is now you're not going to be able to afford quality at other positions, but he got the Dak Prescott deal done.
7: Well, if they win the Super Bowl, then you didn't overpay. If you don't, you did.
0: NFL salary cap at 182.5 million. That's an 8% drop from last year. So
7: I'd be happy with that.
0: <laughs> that's why guys around the league. There have been some surprises. Kyle Van Ooy released by the Dolphins. Be uh, one example of a surprising release. But they couldn't find anyone to take his take his contract in a trade. So everybody up against the up against the cap. Patriots wide receiver Julian Edelman, who is Jewish, wrote an open letter to Miami Heat big man Myers Leonard after Leonard's use of an anti-Semitic slur on a live stream earlier this week. The letter read in part, I get the sense that you didn't use the word out of hate, more out of ignorance. Most likely you weren't trying to hurt anyone or even profile Jews in a comment. That's what makes it so destructive. When someone intends to be hateful, it's usually met with great resistance. Casual ignorance is harder to combat and has greater reach, especially when you command great influence. Hate is like a virus. Even accidentally, it can spread rapidly. Went on in the letter to an... Invite him to go grab a meal when they were both in Miami. Not just a meal. Well, maybe a meal, too. But uh, was it a Shabbat, he Shabbat, said? Shabbat, yeah. yeah. Shabbat. DJ and PK. Hashtag
5: college football.
0: Uh, University of Kansas AD is stepping down under pressure after having to let Les Miles go, so things continue to... Go sideways with Kansas. But it's been like that for a decade. This is the latest chapter.
7: Oh, I don't think it's been like this. You're just talking about a crummy football team. This goes way beyond a crummy football team.
0: That is true.
7: I I think it's clear that they should hire Kevin Sumlin. (laughs) Remember when he was such a great hire? Hey, the third
1: time's the charm. Come on, man.
7: The two, t- the two coaches were hired in Arizona, and one was just hailed as just a no-brainer, excellent move, and the other was a bum. What were they thinking? He didn't even know the school's nickname. The transfer portal giveth, and
0: the transfer portal taketh away, PK. Former top 30 overall defensive lineman, Antonio Alfano, has entered the portal for the second time. To start not playing in a game yet. Originally signed with Alabama in 2019. Transferred to Colorado for this past season. Who knows where he's going now. He's a native of Colonia, New Jersey. Where's Colonia?
7: Uh, North Jersey. Suburb of New York. 25 miles away or so.
0: One of your peeps. All right, DJ and PK. Uh, wait a
7: second, wait a second Whoa, I feel like Ralphie when he got pushed down the slide no. and He's trying to grind back up to go to Santa uh, And he wants a Red Ryder BB gun He just says how about a football Because he'll shoot his eye out We all remember that scene uh, Utah starts its spring practice on Monday And Kyle Whittingham will be available uh, Monday morning at 8 o'clock And we'll have him live on the air
0: Monday, Wednesday, Friday for the media availability And we're going to have Kyle Mondays and Fridays here. Utah State's football. also
1: starting next Monday too
0: DJ and P.K. Hashtag Major League
5: Baseball.
0: Texas Rangers hope to have a capacity crowd at their home opener on April 5th at Globe Life Field. Texas Governor Greg Abbott's order took effect allowing businesses in the state to operate at 100% capacity. April 5th, they hope to pack them in. They will have a mask mandate, although the governor took that off. Texas is going to have that at their games and we'll see if the rangers pack the place
7: well usually home openers uh, do and then depending on how good your team is and how rabbit your fan base is it drops off but usually the opening day is uh, always a pretty good i assume abbott is a republican i don't know that but but uh, he seemed the way we're going with this even after the election looks like that's a president's name here you have to hold a press conference What's his name? Joe Biden? Is that it? No, Joe Biden. My my mistake. <laughs> <laughs> now that was meant as a joke, not for all you people, DJ. I know you get all quiet and you gotta think I'm, you know, making a political statement. I'm not. It was a joke. Come on, if Saturday Night Live is not gonna do it, somebody's got to do it, right? Don't
0: watch Saturday Night Live. Watch Talking Sports.
7: You can tape it and you can watch Well, if you
0: want to (laughs) do that, you can do that, I suppose. Begrudgingly, he admits.
7: Unfortunately, I'm done with talking sports.
0: Benjamin Tucker Pats of Napa, California, faces up to five years in federal prison. He was sending threatening social media messages to players with Tampa Bay during the 2019 season. Well, that's not very nice. Hadn't heard of that before.
7: And why is that under uh, MLB if he's sending threatening messages to Tampa Bay Buccaneers players? I wrote that wrong. with Tampa Bay Rays.
0: You're welcome. Every <laughs> once in a while, I catch him. <laughs> you got Saw me. that, and I'm like, yeah, he's got Super Bowl on the mind. I just skipped over that.
1: Football on the mind all the time.
7: Tom Brady, you bum. You he's he allegedly
2: using
1: an anonymous <laughs> Instagram account to send, like, we're going to invade your home and all kinds of awful
7: stuff out there. And how did the authorities find that?
1: Uh tracked down via IP address, actually. Wow, what a kook. He's a sports
7: gambler by trade, apparently. Sports gambler? Was he losing money from him? Is That's that it? That's what I'm assuming. <laughs> Everything boils down to money, doesn't it?
0: What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right, coming up, Joe Ingles is going to join us a little after 830. Craig Bolerjack, TV voice of the jazz at 9 o'clock. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Coming up, we got the question of the day. It was one year ago today. The NBA hit pause. Rudy Gobert testing positive. The Jazz about to tip off with the Oklahoma City Thunder, and everything stopped. We'll get to your recollections of that coming up. Stay with us.
5: The Big Show Show. with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson.
0: Jay, we appreciate you jumping on with us. Thank you very much. Okay, yeah. our friend Jay Drew writes for the Deseret News. Jay has uh, speaking of tires, he's got some wear on his. You're calling Jay old now? Jeez. No, 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 no. I'm calling. Gordon. I'm calling him a veteran.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not calling him old. I'm calling
1: him old. I'm calling him experienced. Another word for old. I have great respect for both of you, but when it comes to a comment like that, it's sophisticated. You just have to look beyond what it appears to be. I
3: don't think you're dumb. You're dumb. You're dumb. <laughs> That's what he did right there. I didn't call you dumb. You're dumb. Here we
5: go. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone. In the Zone Sports Network.
0: Hot Texas Toast is brought to you by Jerry Seiner Cadillac. Cadillac owners may have changed, but luxury has not. Come see the bold new lineup of Cadillac at Jerry Seiner Cadillac today. Well, it was one year ago, PK, that the NBA shut down. The Jazz walking off the floor at Oklahoma City. Commissioner, in a uh, story reflecting on this, said he thought they'd be back in about a month. Thought maybe it was a 30-day shutdown. And then turned out that wasn't true. They had a bubble in late summer. Everything was done for a while. Question of the day, what do you, what do you remember of it? Scott says, I remember walking into volleyball practice reading that Rudy had the virus and suddenly it got very real.
7: I can understand that.
0: It was out there and you're hearing a little bit about it, but that was the first time there was somebody you knew.
7: Uh, well, yeah, it turned out there was, he had no symptoms or anything. So individually for him, it wasn't a big deal. Uh, Obviously, for many, many others, it has been and is and all that stuff. And there would, there was already talk. I mean, we were working for the Miller Group at the time, and they shut down travel. They closed travel uh, earlier in the week because uh, normally I would have been – I was in Vegas, so I was already there uh, for – BYU uh, losing to St. Mary's, and then the Utes a couple days later lost to uh, Oregon State, and then everything was shut down. So I drove home, uh, and then uh, as I'm coming home, the the news of the uh, the NBA stuff. But a lot of companies before then say like on that Monday, maybe even earlier. But as far as what I was doing for the Monday was the uh, word was no, you're not going to go to the NCA's because we're shutting down all travel. And so there had already been some stuff that had been out there in terms of restrictions and on shutdowns, whatever you want to call them, at that point. And then, of course, the, the walking off the floor in the game was the big, big deal, and, and then everybody was uh, somewhat in a panic mode to a degree, one degree or another, uh, for a lot of the unknown I don't think anybody had any long-lasting ramifications of all those people who were in Oklahoma City, were they?
0: Uh, I don't think so. I think I thought Rudy did have symptoms and Donovan didn't, but I mean, they're still not long-lasting either way. Um, I don't think the other people on the—I don't think anyone else behind the scenes on the trip ended up testing positive. I think it was just those two guys. Um, they had a crazy night finding a hotel driving around getting tested sitting in the arena not knowing what the heck was going on so a lot um, of it was I the think, unknown yeah the unknown that was i think the unknown was the biggest thing mm-hmm. um you know what what does this mean tonight what does it mean tomorrow what does it mean in a week what does it mean in a month and yeah and i think that uh you know the organization had other plans, but was dealing with unknowns. I don't know that they ever made a decision. I think it got made for them at the league level, but they had a Laker home game coming up, and I think it was on the following Monday, and they were wondering, there'd been speculation that the league might uh, say you could play, but no fans, and obviously a Laker game is going to be one of the biggest, you know, when you play the game, you want the advantage of having the crowd there, and obviously you're going to make a lot of money that night in the arena because the place is going to be packed. Yeah, and so all of that was like, is that going to happen? Are we going to have this big game? And if so, you know, or a game and no crowd, a game without the event. So there are all those questions floating around, and then that all just became a moot point. There'd been a little speculation about how that was gonna, how that was gonna go. Alex says what he remembers is Sam Merrill hitting the shot heard around the world, and then the NCAA tournament was canceled because the conference tournament was a, uh, the Aggies were a week early. So they got theirs in, and then they were, well, what West Coast Conference Tournament teams do every year, waiting for the selection show and never got to it.
7: Well, that was even more torture, though, in a sense. Because you knew you were going to go to the NCAA Tournament, but you never got that opportunity. And what a shot that Sam Merrill and the old Aggie fans can remember the rest of their lives, and he can remember as his last college shot Uh, because it was on the Saturday before, and normally it's this week, but they had some stuff going on at the Thomas and Mac, so they had to move it up a week, not knowing when they moved it up a week how that would play to their advantage to actually get it in. So, I mean, they're probably going to go to the tournament either way, but in a sense it was somewhat bittersweet because you make that shot, and it's all sorts of celebration, and it was great, and I remember watching it. I was in St. George uh, on my way. Because the Cougars weren't playing until Monday, because they've got the buy, with the revamped West Coast Conference. A lot of times they're playing on that Saturday, so I'm usually already in there. But I wasn't. I was at a friend's house, who had moved to Saint George, and I can remember sitting there. Uh, and he wasn't uh, particularly interested, but I said, "I got to watch this." <laughs> <laughs> it turned
0: out you really did have to watch that.
7: Yeah. Yeah. Do you and yell so,
0: when you watch games in other people's houses? Do you try to tone it down, or do you yell when something happens? Oh, no, I'm never
7: that into it.
0: <laughs> I don't, know. I, I don't I yell very often, but yelled. that was more
7: like, ah! No, I, this is a job for me. It's fun. It's all fun. I, don't, I just don't get caught up in winning and losing. I may have went, oh, but I mean yell. No, I wouldn't yell. I can't remember the last time I yelled at anything. I think uh, last time I yelled was uh, the Devils beat SC on a hail mary, probably seven eight years ago or so in the Coliseum, no less.
0: I remember I think, it. Yeah, but,
7: yeah. I think that was uh, that was a that was probably the last time I yelled, and I couldn't remember the time before that, but I'm sure I had some. Wow, I mean that was incredible because he had uh, he's a friend of mine who retired to Saint George. And then his uh, daughter with five kids moves from Texas and uh, is living with him. And then he's uh, along with her husband as they try to, uh, they're getting a house down there and it's taking some time. And then his other son, uh, there was a divorce situation and the ex-wife had the kids and moved to St. George from California. So the son moved and is living with them. And twice a week, he gets custody of his two sons. So my friend, in his attempt to retire, has seven kids under 12 living with them for half the week. Spectacular. uh... (laughs) 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 And and I think they have uh, three dogs, all told. And so there's all this commotion (laughs) going on. Nothing you
0: associate with retirement.
7: Exactly. Is there some
0: portion yeah. of it he's enjoying, or is it just too much chaos and overwhelming?
7: Uh, he's whined to me a little bit, but yeah. what what uh, his salvation is knowing that, uh, one, he's got a trailer on the side, so he goes in there sometimes. Okay. And then uh, the daughter and her five kids, uh, they're progressing towards moving out. Yeah. Because the husband does have a job and all, but I think they're building a house, and I've never built a house. But, but apparently It takes way and, longer and yeah. this and that so uh i know last summer he has some wave runners and we were down there for a weekend and so we were going to go to the reservoir and we were going to ride the wave runners well he shows up by himself <laughs> 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 for me and my wife said, well, no man and i said well you didn't No, they got this i said well you didn't have to come Oh no! This is great.
0: <laughs> he he needed a little alone time. <laughs>
7: yes. So he just sat on the shoreline. My wife and I tooled around on these wave runners, and uh, and he was in no hurry to leave. And we sat there probably for about four hours because he was alone and he was out of the house. And so we were joking about that. But that's that's where I remember being watching, uh, sitting on their couch, and I was probably the only one paying attention to the game. Uh, but i certainly had it on and i do remember the shot vividly and it's only a year ago so it's still somewhat fresh in my mind Uh, and then i made my way over to vegas uh, the next day and uh, then had to come home and that was kind of eerie being in vegas because of the unknown uh, on that too and and that was that was somewhat uh, it was just a strange strange feeling and a lot of people from the pac-12 tournament there was there was a, there was a I, I, to one degree or another I think the word panic is acceptable uh, some may have been more so than others but I know a lot of folks uh, got out of town got rented cars and you know because you didn't know when the, you had your flight and you make your flight for Sunday in case your team goes all the way. Uh, so rather than sit around and you didn't know how to, what to experience. And also a lot of people got out of town by getting a car because, you know, especially in LA and Phoenix, uh, it's not that far, right? You can mm-hmm. make that drive very simply. And, uh, for me now, anytime there's a work event in Vegas, I just drive anyway. So it was no big deal. I had gotten a car, uh, I rented one from, uh, Tim Daly, Southtown and took off, as I would, and and so there wasn't a sense of panic for me, but it was what really, really odd. There was an, it was an odd feeling, you couldn't put your finger on it, but it was, it was odd, and you knew something was up, and you and you really had no idea to what extent. Once they decided to, to do away with it, and for me anyway, uh, I would have been coming home, because the Utes were lo- their their season was over. So then, so that meant there was no locals available. So there was no point in me staying. I just stay as long as the locals are. So, so in that sense, coming home wasn't unusual, but under the circumstances of what was going on, it was weird. And I remember having the radio on listening to stuff going on about it.
0: Yeah, it was weird the way the conference tournaments all fell like dominoes. You know, everybody making individual decisions at different mm-hmm. times, but aware of what other people were doing, and uh, and obviously they had their own tip times in different time zones to, you know, that were also triggering what was going on. Mm-hmm. And that was weird as everything. The the uh, it was the tour championship, just like it is this week, and they they actually played on Thursday. And I don't think, the Pac-12 didn't play on Thursday, did they? The the Utes game, I think, was a Wednesday game. It
7: was a Wednesday, yes. Yeah, so they got their
0: Wednesday games in. The Rudy Gobert news broke. The NBA shut down, and the the Pac-12 didn't play Thursday. But the golf went Thursday, but then it didn't go Friday. Right. So.
7: Well, yeah, everybody, you weren't sure what to do on that. Right. And I can recall driving home. Uh, and the governor's having a press conference, and I got it on the radio as I'm driving north. And it's just, it was really—it's just strange because the unknown, just the how serious is this? Is this overblown? Is it understated? And you know, blah blah blah. Whatever your opinion was on that, and I don't—I don't know that I had an opinion because I don't know that. I didn't know. I just yeah, didn't I just know don't what. do not have any
0: information. What, right?
7: the, what the But I remember listening <clears throat> to it, and normally, a political speech or a it's like the last thing I'm going to listen to because I'm not just I'm not into politics at all, and uh, especially now I've never been not into them more than I am now. But at the time, uh, yeah, I remember, I I listened to it, and then you know I had a a, a freshman in high school, so that was a direct impact. And a lot of our listeners do, one way or another, have some, grandkids, kids, or whatever, nieces and nephews. And, and that was a big, big deal. My wife's a school teacher on top of that. So I had a double situation going on. And most of us had, to one degree or another, on that, too. And how was that going to play out? And then obviously that was crazy.
1: Steve Starks,
0: uh... Who is uh, he? was the Jazz president and then CEO of the Miller Group, and you know now the Jazz has been sold and all that, and I wonder if he's listening because at 729 he just tweeted out a long list of what happened one year ago. Maybe it's just a coincidence. But in case it's not, hey, Steve, what's going on? How are you? Yach's waving at you, Steve. PK's waving at you, too. Uh, he just goes through the whole thing about how Rudy had been sick and he wasn't getting better, and Dennis Lindsay called, called him with an update on that and uh so that's
7: right he was yeah that's what triggered it
0: right exactly he says he got updates throughout the day from okc but lightning struck 30 minutes for tip off when dl called and simply said just got the test he has the coronavirus and he called gail gail miller obviously to inform her and then he called adam silver the commissioner
7: turned on the game wasn't scheduled to play
0: I turned on the game and watched the confusion, knowing what was going on in the background. And for the next several hours, I was on calls with our executive team, who set up a command center in Salt Lake to coordinate communication between the governor's office, Dr. Angela Dunn, and the team. So,
7: Yeah, and then right at that point, that's when I first heard about your guy. You heard about your guy? Yeah, the Fouch Man. You quoted him extensively. He was your guy.
0: Uh, This is a good detail. The team had to find a hotel that would let them stay. You got the coronavirus? in our hotel. No thanks.
7: Yeah, the fear of the unknown. That's where Rudy wasn't scheduled to play, right? He wasn't going to play either way. Is that accurate? Because he'd
1: been sick, I think.
7: Right, yeah. He woke up up with with
1: cold or flu like symptoms. Yeah, that's what it
7: was now that I remember. Yeah. He did. Donovan was the one who had no symptoms, not Rudy. He did have them, and yeah, he was sick. And Donovan that's what, was asymptomatic. That's what triggered it all, and uh, then everything went the way they went. Now, uh, to one degree or another, it had to be somebody, and it was Rudy, and he took a lot of grief for touching the mics, and obviously he regretted that and all. And I think the New York Times has a big story on Rudy one year later. Uh, on all all the stuff that uh, went around and everyone's looking for stories so yeah it's like uh, this September 11th isn't going to be the 20th anniversary
1: yep ESPN did so, a whole documentary podcast of of March 11th 2020 with Rudy featured prominently in it
7: yeah so media loves to do the anniversaries of whatever and so I'm sure this September since it's going to be 20 years we're going to get uh all sorts of stuff on
0: that yeah there's all kinds of stuff in the room and rudy touching the mics is that, but you know we were all in an enclosed area no one was masked up you know there weren't masks to go get like there are now that's for sure and we were kind of socially distanced but not really
7: no so my point is it had to been someone
0: yes it was always going to be somebody it just happened to be him yeah And knowing what we know now, that whole room would have been done differently. Well, for starters. Well, there wouldn't have been a room. There wouldn't have been a room. We would have had Zoom. Zoom? What is Zoom? We would have said a year ago.
1: (laughs) Right. Oh, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) I had no 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 idea. I've never been more familiar with an online video conferencing (laughs) software program ever. Yeah.
7: Uh, Utah's having their spring ball that we already announced, and uh, we'll have Kyle on live Monday morning at 8 o'clock. And they had one of the more relaxed uh, media accessibility that I'm aware of in Spring Ball. Basically, any and all. You can come to. Yeah, the entire thing. Inside, outside. And they would let the public come, and you could line along the fence there to the east side of the practice field, the McCarthy practice fields. Uh, and then if it was bad weather, they'd go inside and they wouldn't let the public come for space reasons. But the media could still go in. So I, I can't say that I sat there or stood there and watched every single second of, sp- of spring ball. But they had already had a couple of spring practices that I had gone to before I had gone to Vegas. Normally for me, I'm going to Vegas and then I'm going to a conference tournament or the NCAA tournament. So a good portion of March, I'm out of town anyway, so I'm not going to spring ball. And so when they have the first couple beforehand, I make sure I go because I'm not going to be able to go later on down the line. So I'd already been to a couple. I think uh, I think BYU had had four or five and Utah had two because Utah, what they normally do, they're starting it uh, later this year. Normally what they do, they start it earlier, then take a week off for spring uh, break and then come back. I assume they already had their spring break. I mean, I think their spring break is now because they're not starting it until Monday. I don't know that, but I think their spring break is now. So they're waiting until after spring break and going for the month through uh, the third week of April. Uh, But they're not going to have any access. Nothing is going to be open. And they're just going to do the Zoom stuff in the mornings before practice. And we'll be the beneficiary of that to be able to have players and coaches on our air live. Uh, the only place you can get that is right here on our station. So good for us. Thank you. I was in heavy <laughs> negotiations to have that, by the way. <laughs>
0: Don't even think about 10 a.m. press conferences. Paul Kirk, you 2 p.m. is
7: unacceptable. <laughs> well, Paul Kirk is the uh, associate AD in charge of all that stuff. So let's just say that's one PK scratching the other PKs back. Ah, there you go.
1: He did make (laughs) the comment, because they did this last fall, obviously. He made the comment with us that, I mean, we should have planned this with you guys, considering you guys are the only outlet that's going to carry it alive.
7: Yeah. Paul's a good dude. I had a funny experience with Paul um, just a little while ago. Uh, You know, my wife broke her leg in the fall, and so she was literally out, didn't go to work or anything for like three months and went through the recovery. And first time she went out and played nine holes was a few weeks ago. So I took a picture of it and said, Oh, look at this, man. She's back playing nine holes. Well, I meant to send it to my sister, whose first name is Patty. Yes, my, my parents weren't creative with the names. <laughs> well, in the alphabet and my phone, Patty and Paul are right next to each other. So I sent Paul this picture.
0: He's like, thanks, but what and am I going to do back,
7: with that? He sends back, wow, that's great. <laughs> you know how nice of a guy he, he is. That's totally what he would do. You're right.
0: <laughs> He'd be so supportive.
7: <laughs> All right. Good. Glad to hear it. Thanks for telling me. It felt so stupid. and And I sent him... Uh, I said, oh, that's funny, man. I hit the wrong line below in my phone directory. I said, I meant to send that to my sister, uh, not to you. And then he says, well, oh, I sort of was wondering why you sent it to me, but I thought you were excited. <laughs> and and uh, he and I, unbeknownst to me, I don't remember, but through all the crap. Oh, I know, because he had to call me because I, I covered their first game. And sure enough, somebody texted, tested positive. So the health department and I had that quarantine and blah, blah, blah. So he had called to check up, see what was going on. And, and we had a conversation for about 20 minutes in uh, the November, December. I think it was. I can't remember now. But during the course of that conversation, I had told him of what was going on. So he remembered, but I didn't remember that I had told him about her situation with the he's, broken leg.
0: <laughs> he's looking at his phone. Man, PK's really keeping me up to date.
1: No, well, that's good. Okay. Well, <laughs> he's keeping up to date because he just texted and said, hey, you guys are welcome. <laughs> so, thanks, Paul, for reaching out. By the way, he did want to clarify, Utah did not have spring break this year due to the COVID issues. They oh, they didn't have, have any spring break? No, they're not having okay. spring break
7: this year. Oh yeah. Well, okay, that makes sense. Well, thanks, PK. Uh, yeah, so I'll just call. It I, I, and I appreciate Paul for not thinking, oh, "WTF?" Man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> good for you, staff. My phone, busy here.
7: But he was so nice about it, and I and I got it and I chuckled. I, I had an embarrassing chuckle. At, well, fortunately it wasn't anything that was uh, sensitive. It was actually good news. Uh, I was spreading good news, but I did mean to send it to my sister instead because uh, you know, obviously, it was a it was not not a landmark event but it was a it was a noteworthy event after having a broken leg and literally not being able to walk for 3 months you should have seen her tool around in those carts at the grocery store man she almost ran me over like about 5 times <laughs> on purpose <laughs> no just trying to keep up i'm just saying <laughs> let's go move it along come on come on that's where i'd get in my cardio we'd go to the grocery store <laughs>
0: You you hiking across Target and Walmart.
7: We're going to the Super yeah, Target. Put your running in, shoes on. She's in that machine, man, and she could book it. <laughs> and then she did. But then I, because I had to go, because she couldn't stand up, and anything above face level, I had to, <laughs> I had to get.
0: Top shelf PK.
7: Yeah, yeah. So I, I had to go to the grocery store all the time to pretty much do wherever she needed to go. I had to go with her. So. But everything's fine. Well, mostly it's almost it's almost 100% now, so it's good news. But Paul was was very kind in sharing that enthusiasm and wondering why in the world was I uh, receiving this message from the other PK.
0: Next, DJ and PK contemplating the Jazz' latest move. They had Ursin Ilya Silva. Now, they got a nine-man rotation. They got a 10th guy. They're playing in spots who looks okay, and... They got the best record in the NBA. Why do you need to add somebody? What is Urson Ilyasova going to bring to the Jazz? A lot of you have some ideas on that. We will get to that next. Stay with us.
5: Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network.
1: Jordan Schultz, insider analyst for ESPN. With the first half in the books and and what you
3: know of the Utah Jazz, do you believe they have a shot at the championship?
5: When they had that great
3: three-point shooting month in January when they broke the all-time record, I said multiple times, Utah is a contender and Utah has a legitimate shot to win an NBA championship. They have everything you need. They have a great young player in Donovan Mitchell, a great coach, a force defensively in Rudy, a very... Very good point guard. They have experience. They're consistent. They shoot the ball extremely well. I think they're right in that conversation. I'm not going to say they're the favorite, but I think to answer question, there's a definitive yes. And that's the first time I think we've said that in a long time.
5: Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280, the zone in the Zone Sports Network.
0: DJ and PK brought to you by Davis Vision. Davis Vision has given you 1,000 reasons to get rid of those contacts or glasses. That's $1,000 off LASIK. Start your road to better vision at davisvisionmd.com or call them at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. So the Jazz, make the move. Coming back here from the all-star break, they're going to have a new guy, Ersan Silva. How are they going to use him? What's he going to do? What is he going to provide? How does he change the team? How does he improve things? So many questions. What will he bring to the Jazz? PK, we got a wide range of answers here. Uh, Brian, to be honest, I know very little of this guy, so I'm not expecting much. Aaron is a little more definitive. Besides a heartbeat, absolutely nothing. Tony says, a tall guy to sit on the bench. Ben, vowels, lots of vowels. There's some people who don't view this as a very important move.
7: Well, I hope it's not.
0: (laughs) The same nine guys keep playing and the same guys keep winning 75 or 80% of the time. Yeah, Done. exactly. Done, yeah, right? And if it won't change that way, anything, yeah. Uh, Matt says you got to keep the roster stocked for a long run to the playoffs. Depth is depth. Can't argue with depth as depth. That's deep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Grayson says he only gets time if somebody gets hurt. I like the signing, but I really don't know who he's going to take minutes from.
7: Well, that's my whole point. I hope he doesn't take minutes from anybody.
0: Grayson says, the most likely candidate is the minivan.
7: Well, actually, no. I think it's uh, Oni. Oni. No,
0: I think it's Oni. The 10th guy. Yeah. The guy who fills in when somebody is hurt, when somebody is out. Conley, we added up yesterday. Uh, Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles, Derek Favors, all combined, missed about 15 games.
7: That's the way I see it. And I, I if the, if it happens, I can't say that it will happen. But if it happens, that's what I view as his role being. You know, they're bringing in a veteran guy here. Obviously, he's played uh, what he played, ten plus years in the NBA, right?
0: Uh, plus, yeah, I think it's 13, think 14 years, years in. Yeah. Yeah. He came in really young. He's 33 he now. In, did, like he go, did he go back? And
7: then he went back. So he, yeah. he
1: played for the Bucks for one year, and went to went Spain for two, two years, years, and then and came then back came over. Back. Yeah,
7: And so he's been with Milwaukee. If you count that separation, he was with Milwaukee three yeah, times. three
1: different stints.
7: If you count that separation as a 19-year-old playing, then going to Spain for a couple years, then coming back uh, and playing – And then he finished up, his most recent one, uh, was with Milwaukee. And I I believe he had Toronto, Detroit. uh, I think he had Toronto. He might have had Toronto three times, too. No, it's not
0: Toronto. It's it's Milwaukee, Philly, Atlanta, Detroit, Orlando, and OKC. Three, Three games with OKC. So if you don't remember OKC, I don't blame you.
7: Right. But I believe he had three separate stints with Toronto, too. I think he was with Toronto. Then he was not with Toronto. Went back to Toronto, then left Toronto. Then came back to Toronto again. On that, obviously, you got silence. So you're looking it up.
0: Uh, I have looked it up. <laughs> uh, it's T O T. It's not. It's not T O R. So I don't think that's a. Oh, I don't think it's stop in Toronto. I think it's a total of the games he played in the season when he played for two different teams.
7: Okay. Okay, well, that's cool. So the point being, this kid has been around the block, and so he's had all sorts of stuff thrown at him in the uh, NBA. So yes. He's,
0: lots of teams, lots of systems. So he
7: is a big-time veteran. What did you say, Yak? 13 years? That's a long time to play in the NBA.
1: He's 33 years old, so he's he's been around for a while. Yeah.
7: And that's not like you know, uh, DJ, you, you got excited on Aldridge, but Aldridge is 35 years old.
1: Yep.
0: No, yeah, and he's passed. I think the reason it makes sense for San Antonio to move Aldridge is, you know, they brought him in and he was going to be a pillar of the team, and he's passed that point in his career. Oh, yeah, career. yeah, yeah. But yeah, I get a, it. But on a good team, can he, he can come help in, somebody? Yeah. Hit, hit a few shots, play a few minutes, and keep the team y- in the game.
7: You're right. That's That's why, that's the way I would view him. I wouldn't view him as wow man that's that's no. a big no. time but opportunity.
0: On, just cuz we stare at the Lakers all the time but there are other teams, the teams that don't have depth. If he can come in with your second unit and you can throw him the ball and he can hit a few shots, I mean if you want to go in Jazz history the guy you compare him with is Antoine Carr. You know, Antoine Carr mm. had been a big-time starter and scorer and, you know, had his 30-point games and all that. Well, he wasn't that guy when he came to the Jazz. But for the 12 minutes Carl sat down, you could throw Antoine the bar- ball and he'd hit a turnaround jumper. And at worst-case scenario, you trade hoops while well, Carl's out of the game.
7: I'm not know. sure I view Aldridge at that.
0: And he may not be, Yeah, and I agree with you on that. But on a team that doesn't have He could be, depth,
7: though. I'm not ruling him out.
0: But on a team that doesn't have depth, if he no. hits three or four mid-range shots for the Lakers while LeBron is sitting— that would be a win.
7: Yeah. If I were the Lakers, though, I would go for something else as a priority. And they
0: may well. And especially because it's a trade and they don't have a lot of depth, so I don't know what they have to offer, you know. So,
7: I mean, Cleveland with uh, Drummond is out there. I think the Lakers could do better. And I am, I got to admit, I'm nervous about it to see because when you got a high and superstar, you don't need a lot. You You, don't. Need, you need a little. So yeah. you're. You're not asking for a whole lot because he's so good and he can carry you, obviously, and he's been so tremendous for so long now. It's a remarkable career that LeBron James has had for sure, and he's still going very, very strong. So you don't need a lot. So I am, from the Jazz perspective, I'm concerned about what the Lakers can pull off. As far as being able to compete I, with the Lakers, yeah,
0: I think you should be. I don't. I don't know that they're going to pull off anything, but I don't either. I I do wonder what might they pull off, right? And they've pulled off stuff before. And I mean, you just go to the Gasol trade. You know, but I didn't think Memphis got top dollar for him. I'm surprised that trade happened. I'm surprised it happened so quickly, but it happened nonetheless. So we can well, see here. That was a
7: blockbuster.
0: That was, and we're looking now at something around the edges. Yeah. Uh, so.
7: But that's all they really need. They're they already. I
0: know they've got their guys. If they've got their stars, if they got their stars, and they just get a couple more guys who can help off the bench, and it doesn't have to be scoring, you know anything. Uh,
7: Yeah, I actually think if as long as they got their guys, they're still the favorite. I don't think they need anything. Right. I think they just they got the roster as they intended it to have. I think they're good to go.
0: I think they're the favorite at that point too. But I also don't think they're a lock. And so the question is whether you view them as you know. They got 50% and then 50% for the field or you think they got 70% 30% for everybody else in the NBA. They make a move that just improves their odds by 5%. That's 10%. interesting. So
7: you think they're not as good or do you think that the other teams are better? What do you mean? Well, because you said they're not a lock, to me they're the heavy favorite. If they've got all their guys that they that uh, that are on the roster and they're all healthy and yeah, they're all the ready to go. Yeah, 100% right, I would pick said, them. Oh, now you just said 100%. You just said they're not a lot. Well, I would pick 100%. them, but I'm
0: still saying there's a chance they're going to lose. There's no wavering in me picking them, but as we all know with my picks, that doesn't mean you win. I know, but I... There's, okay. still, there's still windows out there for other teams, whether it's the Jazz or the Clippers or the Nets, you know, run through whoever you want.
7: Right, but um, you just went from 50% to a lock. That's a big... Well, thing.
0: when I threw that out, I said whether you think it's okay. the Lakers you were 50%. generally. I thought yes. you were speaking for yourself. No, whether it's got it 50%. <laughs> And you think everyone else in the league right. has fifty percent, or whether you think it's seventy or eighty percent, everybody else has twenty or thirty. If they make the right kind of move, we could all go. Yeah, I used to think it was fifty, and now I think it's sixty. Or I used to think it was eighty, and now I think it's ninety-five. You know, I, what kind of move are they going to make?
7: I would think most people would say it would be well above fifty percent. I'm surprised you said that. Though
0: um, I was just throwing numbers out. I mean, it was a. It doesn't really matter how much you think they're—how overwhelming a favorite you think they are. Everyone, I think, acknowledges that they are at risk because they're so top-heavy. Now, being top-heavy is a great way to win the title, but, man, when something goes wrong, it can fall apart pretty quick. I mean, Boy. AD gets hurt, and they go 3-7. and seven. It's not the great way. It's usually the only the way. The only way, yeah. <laughs> All right, DJ and PK, uh, more on this coming up. we got more people weighing in on Ilya Silva. We do have people who have more. I just read you some there, and we ran up against a break. Uh, people really don't think he's going to have much of an impact, but we do have uh, multiple people here who think he is going to have a specific opportunity to make an impact, and we'll get into what those chances are, what those opportunities are, and we'll do that next. Joe Ingles is coming up uh, between 8.30 and 8.45, sometime in there, and Craig Bollerjack a little after 9, right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. DJ PK brought to you in part by The Warehouse. Join the big show Friday at The Warehouse from 2 to 6, 1825 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind.
7: Oh, yeah, and then you'll just scream, boom, like we all did when Sam Merrill made that game-winning shot a year ago. Conference clinching shot.
0: Question of the morning. We have multiple ones. PK went crazy on Facebook. you got tons of questions to choose from. Go to DJ and PK. <laughs> the one we're currently uh, discussing, Ursan Silva. What's he going to bring to the Jazz? Josh says, one more person for Joe Ingles to harass. Uh, make fun of? Yeah, Joe will be here in half an hour.
7: Now, they played for the same team, Barcelona, I believe, but not at the same time, even though they're the same age. They're both 33 years old. And uh, I think that uh, we've already discussed that uh, this young man, Urson, was playing uh, as a 20, 21-year-old because we said he played with the Bucs for 19. Then he went to Spain I think it was Barcelona. I've got to double-check that. And Joe didn't start out at Barcelona. He played there a little later. But they probably have some kind of connection. It seems like...
0: Know the same people. international yep. guys. Yeah. Basketball's a small I world.
7: I remember one time we were in the... Back when you can go in the locker room, and Hanno Medela was with the, with the Utes, and they played some foreign... The team that had a foreign guy... And he was telling us, I mean, me and Jim Burton of the Standard Examiner were, were standing in front of him, and he says, yeah, they asked me if I knew this guy because they think that just because I'm from Europe that I know every single player who's ever played basketball from Europe. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, and I get that, but I can't tell you in the five years that I did the uh, pre-half and post with Pace and Thurl, both of whom played in the NBA and in Europe, how often uh-huh. they'd be watching a game and saying, I played against him. I remember when he was a kid coming up. It was unbelievable how many people they knew because it is a small world and especially at the elite level.
7: But that right, at the elite level, Sihano wasn't at the he elite to, level. You're right. when he was a teenager. Yeah. Yep. So there was more kids playing at that point. The higher you go, the narrower the pool gets obviously. So I can understand at the pro level where there would be some type of connection because there's for a few guys who play at the pro level. So I don't know if these two know each other to what extent, probably to some extent. To what extent, I don't know. Maybe we can ask Joe and he can tell us.
0: Chuck tweets Addison, says scoring touch, experience, and toughness. Man, if those three things are all true, then that's a win.
7: Well, I can look at the stats and see, you know, when he was in his prime in his 20s, he scored, and I called up the stats, and you're right, I was misreading that, uh, T.O.T., thank you for cor- correcting me, uh, that as I looked up the stats, and sure, when he was in his 20s, he was regularly scoring in double figures, uh, his average, right? Oh, yeah. So there's no question about that. That uh, It sunk. Uh, I'm, when we got to when he was 31, 32, his last two years with the Bucks, it was just six points a game. I'm wondering at that point – and I don't know this, I'd have to do the research, was it because the Bucks were better and so they got better talent so his role was reduced, or was there some slippage there or some combination of both? Uh, as far as the toughness, I haven't seen him enough to know that.
0: I'm with you on the toughness. I'd like to see that, uh, to see how, how tough and how finesse, and also players change over time, so whatever he was when he was 26 may not be what he is. Uh, now. We'll have to see. His scoring has dropped the last couple of years, and I think there's multiple reasons. Uh, one is that uh, going back to the Bucks, well, they got two guys who are getting shots. so yeah, <laughs> You're not, you're not getting the I'm ball saying, as Their
7: much. talent level got better. but also his, Obviously, Tacumbo Ante, came on the yeah, scene and then uh, burst to stardom. Right.
0: And, and Middleton's getting shots, too. But also, his playing time went down. So his scoring yeah. in relation to his playing time doesn't drop as much. Uh, but better teammates are demanding shots. His playing time, and not two things, PK. It's not a couple of things. It's three.
7: But well, I assume how, it's because the team how, got better.
0: And also, but how good is he? Has he lost a little something? You know, maybe he's not as explosive, uh, sure. and he's not getting as much stuff going to the rim, and he's hitting more jumpers.
7: I don't know that. Was well, I don't either.
0: We'll have to though. see that. when. He, uh, yeah, he's he was long and athletic early on, not watching a lot of, you know, bucks and uh, – And Pistons games, but seeing clips and seeing highlights. Watching none of them, right? Well, you saw him when the Jazz played him. I mean, and you'd see. I don't remember. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember? He was long and athletic. I know that more from clips (laughs) than games. He was long and athletic. How much of that athleticism he still has, I don't know. You know, we'll we'll find that out. And I don't know how much of it the Jazz need. I mean, you. Do they respect him enough to spread the floor? And occasionally, can he go to the hoop and finish? I mean, they didn't get they didn't get bogey for his dunks, right? They didn't get bogey for his dunks. But when they close out on him really hard and he beats him off the dribble and throws one down, everybody approves. (laughs) So now, how much of that you get? We'll have to see when he gets here.
7: Uh, Josh, I'm sure he could do that. He he can do that to some
0: extent, don't you think? And that's the point. To to what extent? I do think he can do it to some extent. He's tall. He's not, you know, not dunking anymore. But how much does he want to do it in traffic? I don't have a good feel for that. You know, does he get in there and flip the ball up real quick and try to beat the shot blocker? Does he want to go right at people and just throw it down? And oh, you got to take it
7: right into them, right (laughs) into their chest. That's the way you approach a shot blocker. I'm reading that. That's page seventy four.
0: Well, in the case of you and I, you got to take it right in, hit the trampoline right, then take it into their chest and. And done, go right through. And him. then you if got you got a
7: star p- on on offense, you're playing defense. You got to show him multiple looks. That's on seventy eight.
0: Josh says, "I would hope minutes are scarce, as they would not be taken from Oni when he plays. He brings energy and hustle every minute." Snyder is smarter than that.
7: Well, I mean, I don't think they signed him just to sit there the entire time.
0: Keldon says he's insurance if any of the top nine guys get hurt or. If they want to play big but still need to stretch the court, they can do that with Urson.
7: And I think that's an important aspect because, you know, they've been very fortunate with Rudy. He's been extremely durable, mm-hmm. right? And favors, you know, he's had injury issues throughout his career. He's, I think he's a somewhat of a warrior. I can still remember him dragging that leg up and down the court there. It was painful to watch. So uh, I think that, that as I think about it, with, his, with this man's size being 6'9", in the 230, 240 range, that you know maybe they could slip him in there if they needed to, if something were to happen with uh, Favors or Gobert. Knock on wood that it doesn't happen to Gobert because that's just awful. Uh, but maybe they could use him in that position, and maybe that's where they envision him. I don't know. They don't do a lot of interviews, uh, but maybe that's where they envision him to be able and and Quinn Snyder will talk about it obviously because he does interviews and it's been uh, the break but maybe they envision him in that type of role if they need him uh, if Derek can't sit out has to sit out or Rudy gets foul trouble or whatever maybe that's a spot or they're looking for him not so much from the perimeter but just as a bigger body inside.
0: And that's where your John Colton is going. He tweets at us, insurance for a Faves or Gobert injury as well, right? And, you know, for all of you saying, well, he just doesn't have the size, they'd have to be more a small ball team. They would also have to change how they play. Because yeah,
7: but who they're who they're playing? uh, Who has size now? It
0: depends, right? Who are you matching up with in the playoffs? And are they going small ball for a while? And you know, there are teams that try to go small ball and put five out and and pull favors as far or Gobert as far away from the hoop as possible, you know, and open up the middle. So Mm -hmm. depending on when when it happened and when you had to deal with it, it might be just what the doctor ordered. You don't know. All right, DJ and PK coming up. Joe Ingles is going to join us a little after 8:30, Craig Boulder, Jack at 9. Stay with us.
5: Now, let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Jordan Schultz, insider analyst for ESPN.
2: With the first half in the books and and what you know of the Utah Jazz, do you believe they have a shot at the championship?
3: When they had that great three-point shooting month in January when they broke the all-time record, I said multiple times, Utah is a contender and Utah has a legitimate shot to win an NBA championship. They have everything you need. They have a great young player, Donovan Mitchell, a great coach, a force defensively in Rudy, a very good point guard. They have experience. They're consistent. They shoot the ball extremely well. I think they're right in that conversation. I'm not going to say they're the favorite, but I think to answer questions, there's a definitive yes, and that's the first time I think we've said that in a long time.
5: Hanson and Scotty, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network.
0: DJ and PK brought to you apart part by Davis Vision. Davis Vision giving you 1,000 reasons to get rid of those contacts or glasses. That's $1,000 off LASIK. Start your road to better vision at DavisVisionMD.com or call them at 801 253 3080. That's Davis Vision. All right, we got multiple questions up here on Facebook, DJ, and PK. And one of the questions we have not addressed yet, a new one. I want to hit this for a few minutes before Joe Ingles joins us here in uh, 10 or 15 minutes. Tom Homo, BYU Athletic Director, named the National Athletic Director of the Year. How appropriate is that? And Brad says, hell yeah, exclamation point. We were able to watch lots of football. I think the Athletic Director of the Year, that honor is earned for a wide variety of reasons. Uh, really good coaching hires, and, you know, and your team has a big year. Um, but for Tom, in a most unusual year and a most unusual football season and an unusual job because he's an athletic director of a team that's independent. You know? And so for most of the ADs, football scheduling became a matter of going to conference meetings and hashing out what was best and how it could possibly work. And they all had to work as a group. And Tom, out on an island, with the whole schedule falling apart, chunk by chunk, like uh, like you see those clips of the uh, the glaciers melting and, and dropping the ice into the ocean, you know. Two games from this conference there, three games from that conference over there. Every time a conference made a decision, another chunk of BYU's football schedule dropped in the ocean. And the fact that they were able to put this schedule together, and then you know, an assist to the the coach and the players because if they put the schedule together and won two games, I don't know if he would have gotten it. He might. Because still putting the schedule together was a trick. But the fact that they put the, get the schedule together and then won so much and looked so good doing it, and then the cherry on top, throwing that Coastal Carolina game together the week of the game <laughs> and hustling out there to play it, and then having it be in such a, a competitive, entertaining game. I get it wasn't entertaining for you BYU fans because you lost right at the end. But the overwhelming response, and, and PK and I, you know, talked about it. We both read a lot of stuff, and the thing was, it was a weird after-the-game, P.K., because most people didn't analyze what happened on the field. They analyzed the vibe they got from the game happening at all and how much they loved it and appreciated it. And I think if you had to bring it down to a moment, although he got the award for the whole year, that's the moment. It's kind of like his A.D. to pull that off? Excellent job. And that's why Tom Homo's the National Athletic Director of the Year.
7: Yeah, I think it's both. I mean, your point is well taken. And go back and listen to the Pukunuku interview. Watched BYU football play this year. The Pac-12, you just sucked, man. Your decision making was absolutely horrible. Well, they think they they think
0: so too. They fired their their commissioner. Obviously, and and Tom gets the games in. And he's the National Athletic Director of the Year. And I guess if yes. they'd gotten the games in and a lot of people had gotten sick, if they'd gotten the, if they'd gotten the games scheduled, but then a lot of people had gotten sick and they canceled a lot of the games, but wasn't Army the only one they lost?
7: Well, they lost several, but when they rescheduled, They right. guess, lost
1: 10 off the original
7: that schedule, was the but one amongst that, the ones of
1: positive right.
7: cases. Yeah, yeah, they, I'm saying not only, only did they I schedule gotcha. play
0: the games, the only but they COVID did it so was yeah. Army. Yeah.
7: He came up with two schedules this season. And the second schedule wasn't as sexy as the first one, but the fact that it was there did it. The, the, the philosophy that was clearly made in the summer: we're going to charge ahead, and knowing that there's going to be roadblocks and stumbles and obstacles and blah 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 and stops and starts, knowing all that, rather than just quitting, was an absolute brilliant move. And he, along with the others who were involved in that decision, deserved tremendous amount of credit and. BYU took advantage of it. What a what a great year to have a lesser schedule because you had an NFL quarterback and some really good talent there, and you were better than everybody. And and the fact is you slaughtered Boise, and Boise's recognized as a pretty good football program. Uh, At last I checked, their program was recognized to the point where their coach got the Auburn job on that. Yes. You know, you want, me, you want to hear me shout, that's because I get, stick, uh, get sick and tired. Well, Boise wasn't any good. Has BYU ever beaten a team in its history that was any good? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Just... the youths. <laughs> well, I know, but if we that's keep hearing one. that. You I know, know <laughs> the point I'm making. Every time they beat somebody, well, they're not that good. We were starting to hear it a little bit when they were up 10 on Gonzaga. Well, Gonzaga doesn't want to be there. I was using Italian swear words that I grew up with when I saw that on social media. Shut up, man. And we got to give them credit at some point here. And the fact that they, they slaughtered Boise. Central Florida wasn't their best program, but they slaughtered them too. And, yeah, Tom Homo was an absolute stud this year. There's no doubt about it. I don't see how you could disagree. The Pac-12 dropped the ball literally and figuratively Big time. Some of their schools only played four friggin' games. Four. That's it. And for a conference that is striving to be relevant? Come on, man. You might as well not even have had the season at that point. I mean, you were so far off the radar. And all these people, doom and gloom. Well, BYU got in. What did they get in? 12 games? They go 11-1? Is that what it was? Correct. Yeah. Hats off to them for having the, the you-know-whats to, to, to proceed, to continue and against uh, what was viewed as, uh, at least in the West, progressive thinking, I guess, or whatever you want to call it. And, Tom, they persevered and they got it done. And did anybody die? Did I miss it? Nope. Yeah. So
0: Tom is the National Athletic Director of He's the... He's
7: international league. as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I don't think that's a thing. Why not? <laughs> Simon Fraser, they play some of those teams. I knew that's you were going Canada. to Simon
0: Fraser. There's just no <laughs> doubt in my mind.
1: i like, here comes a Simon Fraser reference. <laughs> well,
7: that's the only one I could think of. That's because it's the only one there is. It's the only international
1: U- school that participates in
0: the U of
7: M, NCAA. University of Montreal. <laughs> back nope. in the
0: day, back in the day, Mexico Polytechnic. Some some California teams would that. go down and, and play Mexico, Mexico Poly, Poly. All and right. you can look at media guides and you'll see the scores. But they don't they don't do that anymore. But back <laughs> where, in the day, where was it? Mexico Poly, an absolute powerhouse. I'm sure. Where it's in? Uh, I think it's in. Um, uh, it's not in Monterey. T- it's in Monterey. Oh, I, I think, think okay.
1: Monterey, but I wouldn't guess like Tijuana or anything.
0: No, no, it's in Monterey, okay. and they play quote unquote American football.
7: If it was in Tijuana, I would have known about. it. I've been to Tijuana. No,
0: a times. no, I think it's in Monterey. Because, okay. uh, well, you don't even want me to tell you why I know that. But <laughs> you start making fun of me again. Once Upon a Time in Monterey with DJ. <laughs> what,
7: what, uh, what's it's soccer.
0: It's soccer. They have, a good, they have a good club there, and they share a field. And so all the people who go nuts about watching soccer here on the fields that they share with NFL or colleges... Oh, you can see the lines. It's terrible. It's all that. And RSL went and played them in a big game once upon a time in a Cup oh, Champions League. And uh, there were lines cap, all over yeah. the field. You're in Mexico, and there's lines that look like there's an NFL team playing there. Uh, they still play. They just don't play U.S. teams. But anyway.
7: And so Tom Homo, stud of the year. Absolutely. Yeah, way to go.
0: All right, DJ and PK, congrats to Tom on being the National Athletic Director of the Year. Coming up, Joe Ingles is going to join us next. Stay with us. The Big
5: Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson.
0: Jay, we appreciate you
3: jumping on with us. Thank you very much. Okay, yeah. Our friend Jay Drew
0: writes for the Deseret News. Jay has, uh, speaking of tires, he's got some wear on his.
3: You're calling Jay old now? Jeez!
1: No, 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 no. Jeez, I'm, calling, I'm calling him a veteran.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not calling him old. I'm calling him old.
1: I'm calling him experienced. Another word for old. I have great respect for both of you. But when it comes to a comment like that, it's sophisticated. You just have to look beyond what it appears to be. I
3: don't think you're dumb. You're dumb. You're dumb. <laughs> That's what he did right there. I didn't call you dumb. You're dumb. <laughs> there we
5: go. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O the team you trust on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in The Zone Sports Network.
0: DJ and PK brought to you part by Mark Miller. DJ and PK in the morning brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru. Joe Ingles is going to join us here in a few minutes. Checking in with him. Find out what he knows about Ursa and Ilyasova. How much their paths have crossed and what he thinks he can add to the team. Talk with him about that. And, uh, and then back from the All-Star break, what do you think, PK? Are you figuring, I'll uh, we'll have to ask Joe about this, Like today and tomorrow, will those be the, the, one of them, not both of them, but one of them will be the toughest practice they have the rest of the year? The games are going to come so fast and furious, I can't imagine they're going to have that many really difficult practices. Probably well, need, probably like need one to get back into it here.
7: Tomorrow's game day, isn't it?
0: Is today Thursday already? I don't even yeah. know what day of the week it is. I had Wednesday, in my. Brain. I was going to say so yesterday or today, <laughs> not yeah, today or tomorrow. Playing tomorrow. Yeah, I wasn't sure exactly what their schedule was for coming back, and also apparently I'm not sure what day of the week it is. Well, I know they got a
7: game uh, tomorrow and Friday Sunday, got, uh, Sunday afternoon. Yeah, and I think they're they're playing the Rockets tomorrow, and the Rockets play tonight. I think
0: most so, of the NBA is playing tonight. It's a little odd that the the Jazz aren't. There there are a lot of games tonight. The
7: Rockets suck, so they should be able <laughs> to, to get a win. Uh, they went, Set up for themselves tomorrow.
0: They went into the break losing 13 in a row. Yeah. That is a special streak right there.
7: And I think some some of their veteran guys, they're going to unload probably P.J. Tucker at least, if not more. So uh, they're in a complete and total rebuild model. So I think that uh, it's not going to be easy. I'm not saying that. But the Jazz need to win this ballgame. You need to put away teams you're supposed to put away, that's for sure. And so, uh, yeah, maybe they probably probably today, I assume they would uh, have some some sort of get together. I don't know to what degree, how hard it needs to be now, This is a veteran ball club. Uh, I think that you were relying on the players to do something, at least aerobically, to keep yourself and your legs in some type of condition. And I think they will because it is a veteran ball club and they know they've got a lot at stake and they got an opportunity here to do something that is the pinnacle. So I would suspect that uh, every player on his roster, the young players, of course, are going to do it because they need to, to do everything they can to stay in the league. And the veterans, they get what's at stake here. And this is an extremely veteran ball club. And so the, I, I wouldn't imagine that that would have been an issue. I don't know to what degree they'll go hard. Uh, Joe can answer that maybe and, and tell us as far as that goes. Or he may not know because if it's later to, this morning or today. Uh, So, I think it's important for them, though, to reestablish themselves to the level.
0: Rockets and Kings tonight. So, the Rockets will be on a uh, back-to-back and one of those 2 or 3 a.m. arrival times and all of that, plus they've lost 13 in a row. So, Mm -hmm. really, everything... Everything working against him. All right, it's time for the Joe Ingle Show with DJ and PK, brought to you by Cypress Credit Union. As long longest serving credit union in Utah, Cypress Credit Union is here to help with all your financial needs. Cypress Credit Union, your future is our future.
5: Hey, yeah! This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush! And it's time to hear from the best-looking, most charismatic... <laughs>
0: Time to welcome in Joe Ingles. Joe, how are you?
6: I'm
0: I'm good. How are you? Well, you had the all-star break. You had time with Renee and the kids. You got to put your feet up a little bit, mentally get away from hoops. So I just wondered if you're feeling good after all of that. Refreshed, revitalized, ready to go.
9: Yeah, I mean, it's... I went in and uh, worked out yesterday and Dennis was there and asked how I felt. And I was like, if we could have... All star break like once a month, I'd be I'd be able to play forever. So, um, no, it's, it's obviously nice to um, kind of get away for a little bit, spend some time with the family. Like I said, um, last week I felt like uh, Jack's three months now, and I feel like I um, have barely seen him or spent any time with him. So just to, to be with Renee and the kids and, and hang out a little bit, and um, yeah, like you said, kind of kind of switch off for a minute.
7: So for you, uh, being 33 years of age, what's more important, a physical or mental rest?
9: Uh, probably both. <laughs> um, uh, I think, like I've said before, I, I know my body obviously now and, and kind of what I need to do and, and what I don't need to do when I need to take a break or whatever. And um, but I, I think just the, the schedule we've got and with, with everything else in place with the, the testing and all that, that that goes on this year, mentally it has been a, a bit more draining. Um, we've been testing all over the place. On the road, we have to test at like 11, 12 o'clock at night as the last test. When we're at home, we have to drive back in the, the evening and test every night. And so just, obviously, there's a lot worse going on in the world, but, but obviously for, for us, it's, it's a bit different. So, yeah, just a, a nice break from from both of them um still went into the the gym we stayed in utah the whole time so still went into the gym a couple of times and got some some lifts in and some workouts and some shots up and stuff so um first practice back tonight um so yeah we will be ready to go
0: so do you have one hard practice break a sweat go five on five go at a little bit to really get back into it or your veterans, and that would be a waste of time and energy. And Quinn would never do that. How does that work?
9: Now, nah, well, I, well, I don't know uh, what Quinn's thinking most of the time, but um, I would, I would say we would do something kind of pretty intense tonight, just to get after a little bit. I think having a, a more veteran team, I think guys know what they needed to do during the break to, to stay ready um, and to be ready for for Friday, um, but. I think, regardless of what everyone was doing, still to get to together on the court, play some 5 and 5 actually get up and down a little bit. I think it would be be good for our group. So we, we've done that every every time um, since I've been here for, for Quinn seven years. So I assume we would do something. Um, obviously, as a team, we'll get some shots up, probably get a little a lift in, get a sweat up, like you said, get up and down a little bit, and um, get into some recovery before obviously playing tomorrow.
7: So going forward here, man, you guys got a slew of games. I mean, you, for the next three weeks at least, and I haven't looked beyond that. You got four games each of those three weeks a piece. Uh, how is it going to be physically that veteran ball club to make sure that you guys can find some ways to stay fresh?
9: Yeah, I mean, um, obviously as a as a player in the team, as a competitor you want want to be out there as much as possible um, and and play as much as possible Um, I think the benefit of our group is is the depth we've got and and obviously adding Urson as well Um, we're we're a deep team so I feel like there's there's probably times that that Quinn will I don't know if he'll rest guys or or what will happen but um, yeah, just just be smart with it because obviously we've We've started off well. We've we've got a good record at the moment and all that, but we we obviously need to keep it going. But we flip side of that, we, we need to be fresh and kind of ready for the playoffs too. So uh, you, we, we obviously still want to win games and, and be playing the right way, the way we want to play. But um, I have no doubt at some point guys will be in and out a little bit. Obviously, there's there's injuries and, and all that as well. So um, yeah, I'm sure we'll be smart about it, and we've got to. Great uh, performance healthcare team that'll that'll kind of be on top of that, and we'll, we'll figure it out as we go. But uh, I think as a as a player, you want to be out there as much as you can.
0: You mentioned the performance healthcare team, and uh, that involves a lot of people doing a lot of different things. I don't think fans know how complete and thorough a team that is. Part of that. Um, the massage therapy you go, you go through, and a guy I only knew a little bit, but he was always really nice to talk to, and a guy you knew really well, Doug Brell passed away during this uh, all-Star break. He's only 51, and I understand he had cancer and all that. and we just see from how many guys, not just current players, but former players, uh, were on social media that, that hit everybody pretty hard, didn't it?
9: Yeah, it was uh, obviously. Oh, it's, I mean it's tough to, to talk about because it's so fresh and, and new um, but yeah he, he was battling cancer for a little while and um, got himself back and, and ready for the the bubble which I think for for him now I know kind of what's happened this this past few days I, I think the bubble experience for him um, would have been something really special just to be with our group and he he did have to battle back just to be healthy enough to come to that. So I think for for him to to get that experience um, with, with our group and like you said he, he was he was such a big part of our group. He was kind of that glue guy off the quad, I, I would say he, he'd been here for for 21 years with the Jazz. Um, I think three or four years before that with just Carl and and John who hired him as a as a private massage therapist and then he got brought on with the Jazz in '99, I think. So. Um, unbelievable guy. Um, which I mean, as long as I'm here, and I, I think as long as anyone that's a part of the Jazz, I think they'll they'll always Doug, Doug will always be talked about. Everyone that ever plays for the Jazz from now on will we'll always know about him. And um, yeah, just a obviously extremely extremely sad day because I mean I was FaceTiming him a week ago, or whatever it was, talking to him and. and no hints of, of him feeling any worse or anything. Um, he would always be that, that positive guy, no matter, obviously, how he was feeling. So um, walking into to his massage room will, will, always, will always be different now. Um, will always feel different. Um, but like I said, he'll... I mean, me personally, but I know the Jazz won't as well. He'll never be forgotten around here. Um, he was a, a pretty integral part of, of our group. So... Um, sad day for for all of jazz fans and obviously the inner inner sanctum that, that really knew him. Um, and obviously to, to Melissa, his wife, and his three daughters, that uh, will uh, will always be here to, to support her and and, her, and his girls and, and anything they need. So um, yeah, tough a tough week for, for, for all of us.
7: Have you had any interaction with uh, Ilya Silva along the way?
9: Um, I did hear you knuckleheads talking about um, <laughs> someone asking a European if they knew him, and figured that every European yeah. knows everybody.
8: Yeah, right. yeah. Um,
9: yeah, I mean, I've I've been asked like, oh, you know John from Australia, right? <laughs> there's, 20, there's 23 million people in Australia. Like, no, I don't know John from Wollongong in Australia. Um, mm. But no, I, I mean, I. I I've known, obviously, known of him. I've kind of brief interactions um, with him. Uh, we we both played for, for Barcelona for a little bit there, not together, but so there's there's a little bit of that. But um, yeah, obviously a a good player that for, for whatever reason didn't didn't have a job up to now, and did. I mean, I think what goes unnoticed a little bit is he he did have a fairly decent contract that was gonna be guaranteed when he got traded to Sacramento for Bogdanovich, and the trade fell through. And then they needed Milwaukee needed that money for other other guys. So, um, yeah, just a, a a really good fit for us, I think.
0: You know, my wife uh, was in California and went to grad school in Chicago, and literally got asked, Joe. <laughs> You were from California? She's from Montana? Do you know each other? Are you kidding me? Crazy. Yeah, yeah. people on the East Coast, no idea. Uh, Joe, the other thing we need to ask you about is that uh, we couldn't help but notice in the middle of the All-Star break that you started a NASCAR race in Las Vegas and looked like you might have done it from an office in Utah. You a big NASCAR fan? What was going on there?
9: <laughs> um, it wasn't from anywhere in Utah. I actually did the video... On the road, one trip um, for the for, yeah for, for the for the NASCAR race. So, um, yeah, it was. I mean, it was something I probably never thought I'd do. I didn't really know. I, I the only thing I probably regret is I didn't watch any previous and like video entries of how to how they started, it. And there was obviously some much more passionate videos than mine. <laughs> but I just didn't know. It was something I'd. Uh, I'd never knew or never thought I'd do. So I didn't really, I, so I, I do regret that. Not, not kind of doing a bit more research, but, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. Um, I had a lot of messages about it and, um, yeah, it was something, something cool to do.
7: So one year anniversary of everything coming to a halt when you guys were in OKC, you got any memories that you want to share? Um,
9: I mean, it was, yeah, I don't know, a pretty, I guess it's been a pretty crazy 12 months if you think about it. Um, we had probably just kind of, or we were probably heading to shoot around now, more or less, or during shoot around and figured we were going to be playing a regular game like we had for X amount of games before that. And um, yeah, and then obviously everything kind of happened. So
8: um,
9: I think the hardest, the hardest part, the saddest part is, kind of how many people and businesses and individuals have, have lost jobs or, or companies and businesses have either shut down or, or lost a lot of business. And um, I was kind of joking and Renee was kind of laughing, but kind of upset. So like, like she, she literally hasn't left the house in 12 months. Like it's with obviously the NBA stuff and the protocols and, and obviously three kids and, and prior to this being pregnant and all that. Um, she literally has not left the house for anything. <laughs> like, so um they're, they're the parts I kind of think about that are that obviously hurt and are, and are sad. And um yeah, been a it's been a crazy twelve months. It's hopefully are it's, obviously in a lot better place now than where we were twelve months ago or, or six months ago. So hopefully, if the vaccine keeps keeps coming, people keep doing that. Keep people keep being smart with with masks or whatever the. The rules are hopefully soon we can uh, go back to some sort of normalcy and feel free again.
0: That'd be good. I think you can get a lot of people to second that. Can you, can you explain to people how different the NBA lifestyle is than it was a year ago, how much everything has changed for you guys? Because people see it playing the games without fans, but I don't know how much they know behind the scenes how different things are.
9: Oh, it's it's not I know it's almost we were kind of joking with our rookies of like you'll actually have to re- redo your rookie year next year because <laughs> there's nothing they can they can do or we can do or we can't even make them do anything for us because there's nothing to do so
8: um,
9: no it's it's I, I like you said I, I think the crowd is the obvious one which is still it's still different like I think the weirdest part is like especially for the jazz fans, or for for, the, for our team, we I think we were one of the first to have fans. We upped our fans probably first as well. Um, so we are pretty used to kind of having fans in the arena. So when we go to other arenas and they don't, that's that's different for us because we're we're probably more used to it than a lot of other teams. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously, not a, a normal year. We could, I mean, if you're at home, you can obviously kind of. Do whatever you want. We can go to restaurants. We can go to Utah Utes games. You can go to football games. Like whatever you want to do, it's it's normal living. Um, Obviously now, I don't even know exactly what the rules are, but we're not allowed to really do anything with going out to eat in like an enclosed area. So I think we could. I think I, I, I had. I don't even go out to eat. So I haven't really read the rules, but I think you can go out to eat if it's outdoors and you like. Six feet away from people. Um, on the road is probably the biggest changes um, just because you would normally fly into a city and guys would have family or friends or whoever, the other team, um, someone you know, and, and go and catch up and have dinner. Or um, I would go to see you go have dinner at Patty Mills' house um, if we flew into San Antonio and vice versa. So literally, on the road we're not allowed to leave our room so if we order food it has to be the room service or Uber Eats um, obviously can't do any like seeing any people we, we test twice sometimes three times in a day depending on the time of the game um, so it's yeah it's extremely different it's not like a, <laughs> there's a lot of times that we would land in a city and, and I wouldn't see my teammates until a shoot around um Guys have, like I said, family, friends, or whatever it is they might be from that city and go home for the night, or whatever it is. So um, yeah, really different. But again, it kind of is what it is at this point until we figure out, um, I don't know, more vaccines or or whatever, whatever the, whatever the best way um, to be able to move forward. But um, yes, yeah, it's, it's crazy, but it is what it is. I, I Again, I can't complain. We can't complain. We, we're still getting paid a stupid amount of money to, to throw a basketball around, whether there's a thousand people in the gym, 10,000 or, or no fans. So, um, yeah, can't complain too much.
7: So as you manage this boredom when you're on the road, has it maybe helped concentration in terms of basketball or not at all?
9: I think you get a, a bit of both. It's, um, obviously you can concentrate you more and all that because there's nothing to do. Also, the the autumn, kind of the boredom part of it, like guys probably watching games more, overanalyzing performances more a little bit because I, I know I used to do that a lot when, like prior to Renee and the kids or when Renee would go home for the second half of the season, I would finish a game, and this was in Europe too, like finish a game and then... Um, I would go home and if I'd played bad or whatever, I'd be watching the game and kind of be in my own head a little bit about what what I've done wrong or what I, what I need to do. Like, and you, for me, which I've, I mean, we've spoken about it before, but for me, like, the best feeling is going home to Renee and the kids and trying to get to sleep as soon as possible or, or Renee telling me stories about what happened at dinner or bedtime with the kids or, or whatever. And, kind of completely, f- for me anyway, kind of zoning away from that. Um, uh, I think for me personally, it's it's been a big reason of, of my play and what I've been able to kind of just focus on when I'm in the gym, I'm I'm locked in and I'm all there. But then when I'm away from it, it's complete opposite. I don't think about basketball. I don't really talk about basketball. And um, So I think guys will be different. Some guys will, like I know Donovan is a massive basketball watcher like he he will watch every game college NBA he'll have three screens in his room watching different sports and all that where I watched Married at First Sight with Renee last night
0: (laughs) (laughs) well speaking of COVID we understand you have to go get tested so we need to let you go the machine marches on the machine keeps grinding it never blinks it never sleeps Joe
9: we did. We were testing the whole All-Star break. I am apparently sitting out in front of the practice facility where probably about 80% of our team is here about to get tested and then go home for the day and come back and practice tonight when we get our results.
0: There you go. All right, Joe, well, um, thanks yeah. for a window into your world. Congrats on your NASCAR debut. Next time you do it, you can just really start screaming and hollering. Yeah.
9: I know, if they, well, if I ever get an invite back, which I probably won't because I don't know how many fans, I'll, I think it was, uh, someone did it the next day and they sent it, someone tweeted it to me like, this is how it's supposed to be done. And he was like on the stage screaming and I was like, oh my gosh, Uh, if I ever get another chance, NASCAR, if you ever give me another chance, I promise it'll be better.
0: Okay. All right, Joe, thanks for the time. We appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All right, there you go. There is Joe Ingles, his weekly visit. And that was, uh, that was Derek Carr, the Raiders quarterback, who got up there and sold it. Brought the high-energy performance. All right, uh, Joe Ingles, The Joe Ingles Show, brought to you by Cypress Credit Union, where your future is our future. All right, coming up, Craig Boulderjack, TV voice of the Jazz, is going to join us next. Stay with us. DJ PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. Davis Vision has given you 1,000 reasons to get rid of those contacts or glasses. That's $1,000 off LASIK. Start your road to better vision at davisvisionmd.com or call them at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. Time to welcome in Craig Bowlerjack, TV voice of the Utah Jazz. Bowler, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. Ready to go? Ready for some basketball?
10: Yes, I am. Tomorrow night, we get at it, 8 o'clock, Rockets. Let's do it.
0: The Rockets are terrible. It feels like a (sighs) warm-up game. Which, if the team thinks it's a warm-up game, then they could probably screw it up. As long as they think it's a real game and they just bring it, they should be fine, because Houston's terrible.
10: 13 straight losses, don't get fooled. That will be Quinn's uh, mantra for the next 24 hours. Until they lose, more.
0: until they lose to the Kings and it's fourteen in a row. Yeah, true. He'll text the true. guys at Tonight, midnight. Yes. It's fourteen yes. in a row. Fourteen.
10: So yes, tomorrow uh, we get going. Second half, one quick home game off the onto the road for five. Where really the Jazz just got back from from doing that. The last game was Philadelphia, disappointing, but a lot's happened since then. Hopefully, motivation uh, and just a continued path to work towards the. Uh, the ultimate goal.
7: Yeah, as I look at that Philadelphia game and what transpired and all the noise that was created after the fact, I think that's beneficial for the Jazz. Obviously, you want to win the games. But I, I think with Gobert and Mitchell doing what they say and what they said and attention being brought to it, that you know the squeaky wheel type deal – that I'm expecting some more respect from the perspective of the Jazz, and it won't be as what Mitchell would say that they were tired of it because I sort of think it put the league on notice. I know we talked about it last week, but as I reflect upon it, since there's been no games, I actually think that was a positive in that situation and it will benefit them over the course of the long term.
10: You know, PK, I I really thought a lot about it the last week. And then, of course, uh, you know, Donovan and Mitchell being the last two. uh, Donovan and Rudy, pardon me, Donovan Mitchell. Donovan and uh, Rudy being the last two players taken in the All-Star draft. Um, Yeah, tough week. But at the same time, it's almost like I felt like Donovan and Rudy and even Mike uh, spoke for other teams in this league as well. Uh, that was just kind of my take because I've heard this from, you know, players from Sacramento. You, you know, even San Antonio, the great success they've had, they still have had, you know, comments, uh, mid mid-sized markets, et cetera. The Memphis is like Conley mentioned himself; he felt it for the last 12 years when he was, a, you know, in Memphis. So it's almost like Donovan decided to rise up and make a make a statement for not just the Utah Jazz, but for the other. Uh, mid-sized markets in the NBA, which maybe it does put the league on notice, PK. It's a, that's an interesting thought. I don't know unless the officials are angered by it. Um, you know, the two-minute report it comes out in every game and you see discrepancies, of course. It's human nature. But the anger that, you know, I felt that night just as a viewer, too, um, uh, and I called that game, I thought, gosh, you know, what don't they see? But, um, you know, it... I think the Donovan has a long fuse pK like yourself, but sometimes it pops right <laughs> and so that was a particular night after four years in this league that Donovan wanted to say something. you know it cost him twenty five thousand but that's that's pretty much pentance compared to to the, to the message you know obviously he got he got out. Let's see what kind of motivation it does bring. if they even need a pK I mean look, there's doubters. And there's non-believers. Now all you have to do is go out and obviously get through the second half healthy, first and foremost, and you stay on course. And maybe, you know, again, a lot of players play with anger or chips on their shoulders. They find something to motivate them. If this doesn't, then I don't know what will.
0: So well, I would like to think that it puts the league on notice and the refereeing will be better, and I certainly agree with you, PK, or uh, – Bowler, that, uh, you know, Portland, Indiana, I've read and heard quotes and heard people talk about it over the time. I, I just have a hard time believing everything is going to change now. I think if there's a bigger benefit, it's that it puts the jazz players on notice. Like, well, you gotta, you got to be up by 10. you got to be able to weather two bad calls. you got to be able I can't remember who it was, but somebody this year, they were, they were beating them pretty good, and it was a good thing because the team banked in a three-pointer like a minute to go. It was a terrible shot, and it was so bad it went in. But it didn't matter because it took it a lead from eleven down to eight. And so, if it gives them the edge, like we can never let up. We can't yeah. take our foot off the gas because uh, the Jazz are up by thirteen. You know, it's kind of like, well, we better push it to twenty, and then calls won't matter. Right, no, that's we'll a put great put point. Them on notice.
10: R- yeah, it's a great point because I think one thing too with the three-point shot as we're all learning in this league over the last three or so years where it's really come into vogue. Where all teams now have firepower is that ten and twelve-point leads mean means nothing and they evaporate on. I've, hey, we've seen twelve-zero runs in a matter of you know forty-five, fifty-five seconds. It's it can be you know you can you can make that up in just a blink of an eye. A turnover, a three. You get a steal, uh a three, or then you get fouled and you get to the line and one. I mean that's how that's how quick uh the league can change or the game uh, momentum can change in a matter of just seconds. And you know, maybe you're right. You know what, keep the pedal down. That's what Coin is saying has said for years, and sometimes the Jazz have fallen into that. We we witnessed uh, to PK's point about, you know, and your point about the, the, the woes of the Rockets, but on any given night, this, this this is the NBA. There's proud players out there who get an opportunity uh, to show their skills off, and they don't like losing either, right? <laughs> I mean, the Rockets are going to win again sometime, sooner than later. And that's part of this equation, too, is staying focused, understanding who your opponent is, and still always have that, that attitude of putting teams – putting teams down and if you have to continue to play your starters uh you know into the fourth quarter with leads of 10 or 12 to make sure that happens and so be it that's the way this league is
7: so i was hoping that the jazz could have maybe gotten jason tatum but they got Elias silva so we'll have to uh have to stay with that uh yeah. what do you think he brings
10: well, you know PK is six ten, and I you know I remember him well. Last year with the Bucks, I mean he's a three point threat. He's thirty seven percent from uh, in his career from three. Uh, I know him. Of, uh, remember him as a corner three type guy, uh, which fits into the you know into the uh, Quinn Snyder game plan on a given night. And I think his size, uh, PK, obviously is is a piece that the Jazz are thinking ahead to have another big that can defend. Uh, or draw defenders out to him because of his three-point threat uh, and let open space for Rudy Donovan and others to do some work inside. But also it's because of the Lakers' size, right? So the Jazz have another piece in trying to battle that matchup that they they may end up, let's hope they end up facing, if you're going to win a Western Conference title. They've looked ahead to think, okay, we need size, to match up in the playoffs. And I believe that's the reason why they, they found him and decided to sign him for the final 36 games of the season. Is he out of shape? Doubtful probably knew he'd get a call, but hasn't played since last year with the bucks. But I've always been impressed with the way the guys played. I mean, he's got great skill set and the size I think the jazz need and the three point shot.
0: Greg Bolajak joining us here on 97.5 at 1280, the zone. Uh, it's always fun to try to guess at what Quinn is thinking and what he is going to do. But I think adding Silva, and if they are going to count on him in a playoff series, he's going to need some minutes. I also right. don't think there's any point in really tinkering with a lineup that has the best record in the NBA. But I do think the team has looked sluggish, heavy-legged, all those cliches, a step slow, when they've had to play the three games in four days. They, the four and six, and they start to get worn down. So I'm expecting, especially with Conley, because they think they're going to protect, you know, the hamstrings. That seems to be an ongoing issue. But with some of the other players, too. And when they have these back to backs, give guys a night, what to pick one guy and say, okay, you're out tonight. The next night, another guy, you're out tonight, and kind of rotate through it. Do you think we're going to see some of that in the second half of the season?
10: Or, Or DJ Limit. You know, some of the starters' minutes maybe are faves. I mean, faves is only playing an average of about, what, 14. So that that I don't think is a huge impact, but it could be injury insurance. It could be minutes, as you just said. Um, you know, maybe a player does lose minutes. Is it George Niang? You know, I don't know. Uh, I'm anxious to see how that how works out. Does he sit and, and, and wait until matchups uh, become uh, part of Quinn's uh, design. So I'm with you. Uh, it's an interesting pickup. He's 33. Okay. But uh, you know, so is Mike Conley. Um, you know, I, I think there's something left in the tank for these guys who take care of themselves and are able to get on the floor and play, but it's an intri- intriguing signing. But I think it just is another big, in case they need it, uh, going down the stretch. They play the Lakers, remember, twice on a, uh, well, so-called back-to-back they stay in L.A. and play them twice in three days with that day off. So, uh, you know, again, I don't think we've seen the last of the Lakers, haven't seen the last of the Clippers with Kawhi and Paul George. There's a lot of Western Conference teams that Jazz play in these the second half of the season, especially after they get back off this last East Coast road trip uh, next week. So, yeah, it's an intriguing pickup, and I'm anxious like you, man, to see what the actual uh, game plan, so to speak, is to use – uh Aaron Silva
7: So it was a year ago in OKC when everything broke loose how many times did you cry because you were so scared
10: <laughs> You know PK, I I say that that night uh which is March 11th um uh, you know is seared in my mind it was you know it was it was uh <clears throat> to say the least man it's it's going to stay with me uh it, it was just the unknown uh watching the crew that I work with and everyone's reaction i have always said this to people when I talk about that night uh Quinn's leadership was outstanding uh he said we're in it together we we stay together, we leave together. I'll never forget that line like you know no one's no one stand back we're we're all in this together. I think the strangest thing was just walking out of the door that night uh, and and seeing the uh the brave folk. Uh by the way, in oklahoma city who 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 were gonna test us you know dressed in hazmat gear, and you wonder what in the world is going on and I've always said this to it. felt like a Spielberg movie um, <clears throat> Everything was just so precise, and uh, I guess it was because I was super focused uber focused on what was going on, but you know the testing part was the most bizarre because it was a little bit more archaic than what we're going through. Now with our testing a year later, but I keep thinking I thought I thought about this last night. How much has happened in one year's time, you know, in all parts of our society, and it's a it's a bizarre thing to look back and see what you know a year what a year brings. I'm just thankful that we've making we've taken the step ahead um in a lot of these categories, uh, hopefully, and the vaccines, which of course are going to be people's choices. Uh, I've got mine scheduled today, and i got to tell you a story how it happened. I just got a text a week and a half ago, and it said, uh, from the university, Uh, and I said, wow, that's weird. Um, And so I called, and it said, yeah, your your name popped up, and we have an opening on March 11th. Is that weird? That is freaky right there, man. And I said, you're kidding me. And so we can (laughs) put you in a five- five o'clock or five ten i have to go look at my calendar and i didn't think i was kind of like wow man cool but then when i sit back i go man that's one year to the day and so i i don't know how it happens pk i really don't know but it's weird i thought just the 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 coincidence on this particular situation had me a little freaked out to be totally honest sure. with you one sure. year to the next exactly one year
0: So I don't know if you remember it this way, but I talked to somebody who was on that trip who said that uh, one of the weirdest things, aside from how long you had to sit in small rooms in the arena, was getting on the bus and then trying to find a hotel Uh that would take, because there's so many unknowns, right? Does a hotel want to take someone who's got coronavirus when there could be other people in the group? And they drove out, apparently, to some hotel, and I've only been to Oklahoma City once so I don't know the town at all, you know. and So right. wherever, somewhere. But apparently you drove out into the darkness outside of the city to some random hotel way off the beaten path. And one person told me it felt they were a little worried that it was a cross between uh, Outbreak, the the uh, Hoffman-Rene <laughs> Russo movie, right? Right, And that right. you were going to be the people sacrificed to get the... Uh, <laughs> there's a whole conspiracy theory in that movie. And Casino with... Um, Pesci going to the cornfield at the end to meet his right. fate, right? Yeah. and there was it was a really weird bus ride. Now, is that all over dramatized or was now, it really weird?
10: I, I'll tell you from my from my perspective. On our bus was uh, it was quiet and it was around one a.m. and uh, I felt like the drive went for ever uh, longer than it actually was. Okay, so your mind. I think for me, slowed things down, like, where, where are we going? And when are we going to get there? Because I knew we were going to some hotel, but you're right. It was out outside of uh, the city, uh, but it felt like the drive was much longer. And, again, your mind starts to play tricks on you, let's be honest, at that time of the morning and what you've you you know you've experienced. So, uh, But we got there, and no one greeted us, and I didn't expect it. They just said, grab a key, and there were multiple keys on this one desk, in the middle of the hotel lobby, and we just took a key, looked at the number on it, and went to our room and then waited for the call the next day. That's basically how it went down. After after we uh, got the word that uh, the buses are here, let's go. And that's how, how it went down. There's a lot of in-betweens there with the story. But, you know, I'm still proud of the way people acted. Guys, I know they do not overplay it. But, again, though, not knowing of being in that, and the pool of, of this, of this franchise and this team, I'm proud of how they acted, and how we all got through it and how Quinn, you know, really kind of led us, you know, uh, through this because, you know, it was really kind of on him, I guess, cause he was there. He's on the ground, so to speak. And you got questions where, where are we going? What are we doing? And he was pretty straight up with us. So uh, I've always been, uh, you know, I've always had kind of a, what's the word I want to use? I guess proud but also honored to know him because I, I, I saw leadership that night that uh, you rarely see in some people, and I, I thought it was cool. I thought it was really great of him to, to, to lead us that way.
7: I'm sorry, but having watched the remake of the Thomas Crown Affair, once DJ mentioned Rene Russo, <laughs> I lost you. <laughs>
10: you, you. You totally just uh, checked out, right, Rene Russo? Yeah, yeah don't blame me. <laughs>
0: I don't blame him either. Thomas Crown Affair. If you haven't seen it, and you're a Rene Russo fan, you've made a mistake. (laughs) You need to go see that movie. Was it Pierce Brosnan in that movie? Yeah. Yeah.
10: He was probably 007, right? Well, he wasn't. I I think
7: that was his backside, yeah.
10: Yeah, that was his other. Easy. Yeah. (laughs)
7: Hey, I'm here for levity. What the heck?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
7: oh, you guys handle the pick and roll. All right, Bowler. <laughs> pick and roll.
0: On on that note, I guess we'll let you go. <laughs> Thanks for joining roll, us. Right? Enjoy yeah, the guys. end of enjoy the end of your All Star break, and it's uh, it's back to it. Yeah, let's get going, man. Second
10: half, a lot of a lot of uh, games to play, but exciting, and um, you know we're just gonna. Put our toe in the water and, and see where it takes us. But I'm hoping the Jazz, you know, again, health is number one, uh, and you know, again, I don't think there's going to be an issue. There shouldn't be an issue with some focus and a determination. There's an opportunity here to really make some noise in the NBA, and you know, the critics are there. They have been. They probably always will be. But you know what? There's this. This group has has a has a mission. So to speak. And uh, you know, people ask me that but I know we're going long, but they always ask, and we've talked about it on this show a lot, is really are they, they are they that tight of a team? How could they not be after what they've all gone through this past year? And I think that just makes the bond and the whole story more interesting as they as they as we continue on, as they continue on and we just go along for the ride. So um, as I say buckle up, let's see where we where where it takes us. It's gonna be fun.
0: Craig Boulderjack, TV voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz and Rockets, Friday night. And then a Sunday afternoon game with Golden State and then a nice, convenient cross-country flight. What a weird road trip. It's an eastern swing that starts in Oakland. Weird. All right, when we come back, everything in this show in one compact segment. We'll get you up to speed next. Stay with us.
5: <laughs> Number one. Make us your- in the Zone Sports Network. Morant drives baseline, loses the handle, goes right to Valanciunas, who floats it up and in and gets fouled again. Jonas Valanciunas single-handedly trying to take this one over. He's got 24 and 14. To Luka driving left to right at the elbow. Behind the back to Doncic, top of the arc for three. Good for Porzingis. Doncic, jab, stepping, faking left, going right between the legs, step back over Murray for three, and there's your kill shot.
0: Memphis Grizzlies blow out the Washington Wizards, 127 one twelve, And the Dallas Mavericks beat the Spurs, 115-104. The NBA is back with two games, 11 games tonight, but two games last night. And then the Jazz will be one of the last teams to get things going when they play on Friday. So PK, movers, climbers, second half of the season. Uh, Dallas up, Denver up, San Antonio down. Who's moving? Who's going where? All of this mattering because you figure the Jazz have a decent chance of playing someone who comes out of that 7-8-9-10 playoff. So who's going to be in it? I
7: don't know that we're going to see any significant movement, but we don't necessarily need to see that for the standings to change because there's not a lot of room between uh, these teams. So really, a little mini hot streak. What I'm saying as far as moving, I I just don't know. I was a believer in Denver— until this year. I thought they are a really good team. They're still a good team, no question about it. You've got a first-team All-NBA guy. You're really good. Uh, He's really good. And you have that capability in any given game. But I'm wondering if they can hit their stride like I thought they were going to, like they have done the last couple of years. But as far as standings goes, you don't necessarily need to hit a big-time stride to move up two or three spots. So – That very well could happen. You could be right on both accounts. They could move up a couple of spots, even though they never really had a situation where they won 8 out of 10, uh, 10 out of 13 type of deal, you know, when you really got it going. So I'm not sure that we're going to see that, unless there's some deals made. And uh, watching the Maverick game was on NBA television last night, and I don't, I, I know Greg Anthony was talking. I'm not sure who the play-by-play guy goes, oh, who play-by-play guy was, but they were talking about from Dallas's perspective. Next year, they were or this coming summer, they were saving uh, opportunities financially to maybe make a run at onto And since obviously he's taken himself off the market by re-signing with Milwaukee, they were speculating does uh, does Dallas invest in some player right now that gives them an opportunity And because the target or targets that they thought they could get in the summer aren't going to be there. So we can talk about it now, but I think the deadline is the 25th of March, so what's it, uh, just a little over two weeks away. So there could be maybe some significant developments there that could alter our line of thinking that we have right now.
0: Their uh, payroll drops $37, $38 million going into next year. So, options. Options, baby. And you're right. Do you take
7: advantage of those options now?
0: Yeah. And you're also right that it doesn't take much to change the standings. Portland's in fifth place, but they're only three games in front of the Grizzlies and the Warriors who are ninth and tenth. So, it's three games from five to ten right now, and you don't need much to change your position, and obviously for teams like the Jazz, then that changes who they might be seeing. You know, who gets Mm -hmm. up to six and stays out of that, uh, you know, those one-off playing games where, hey, one or two games changes everything.
7: Right, right. And And that probably is going to happen because the injuries, or in the case of Portland getting back McCollum and Nurkic at some point, you know, that could make a difference for them, although they're already in fifth. Yep. Um, But maybe maybe they maybe they can move up. And I think all of us have our eyes on the Suns, because as much as we view the Jazz as being disrespected, I think there's more and probably justifiably so disrespect heaped upon the Suns because they're second right now. And I don't think anybody had them second. And can they hold it? You know, a lot of folks are gonna say, "Eh, I'm not really sure about those guys.
0: Well, I can remember you saying one morning uh, just before the season was getting going, and you brought up the fact that you had been at the gym on the treadmill, listen to Arizona Sports Talk Radio, as you often mm-hmm. do for multiple reasons. Uh, it yeah. helps you with the show. You might get a little ASU stuff, which you just find interesting. And obviously most of us here know Ryan Hatch, who runs that station. So you have multiple yes. reasons to dial it up and, you know, see what's going on there. And you said, hey— they're talking about the Suns. We were, t- I was mentioning about them climbing and being a playoff team. And you're like, they're talking about the Suns passing the Jazz and getting into into fifth or yeah, was it fifth or maybe fourth? Fourth, fourth, fourth. fourth. In the fourth, and and so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know that one one team or the other is more disrespected because I think once you get outside of Arizona and Utah and the other forty eight states, everybody else is picking somebody else to win the West. I just don't think to win outside the West of the- for sure. Yeah, and so. At some level, that's disrespect. Now, maybe, you know, you think they're going to crash out in the first round, which, boy, if you're the one or two seed and you go out in the first round, that's bad news because ones and twos aren't supposed huh? to lose to sevens and eights. Maybe it's okay if you go out in the second round. If, a, a, you know, an established team like the Lakers is viewed as tanking it or having an injury in the case of the Lakers this year, maybe it would be both, you know, and they just don't care if they're three, 4 hey, five. Well,
7: Let me throw this at you. Phoenix finishing second. Yes or no? buy or sell?
0: <sighs> I would sell. That's a tough call. Right, and that's what most people would. Yeah, and it's it's a tough call, but I just figure like either the Lakers or Clippers is going to get rolling here. And that's all it takes is one of them to get rolling. But
7: I think if you ask uh, a large portion of people buy or sell on the Jazz finishing first, a lot of folks are going to buy. It's not that un- inconceivable now. Not at all.
0: Right. It's. Uh, I guess the thing the Jazz have is... Um, If you don't really believe in either team, the Jazz are two games clear in the loss column and have an easy schedule. I know some Jazz fans, not you or I, and we don't talk about it that much, why aren't they on national TV more? Look at their schedule and tell me what game they should be playing. They play a lot of bad teams. And I don't know, maybe it'll change this year. They're trying this new 7-8-9-10 playoff thing where 7 plays 8 and they're in the playoffs and 9 plays 10 and they're eliminated. And whoever loses that 7-8 game then plays the winner of the 9-10 game for the last playoff spot. Which I like. So maybe that will stop the tanking. But I think we usually underestimate how much those top three or four teams are going to win in the second half of the season because they play so many teams that are shutting it down. And I've already talked to people, and you probably have too, and read stuff And people are looking at what team in the West is going to unexpectedly shut it down. And I've seen multiple people say the Warriors, that they are getting ready to try and win the title next year. And they wouldn't mind having some playoff experience for the guys who are new to the club. Obviously, you know, they got Wiseman, you know, brand new you know rookie. Uh, But really, they don't want to wear guys out. They want to be ready to go next year and they may just shut people down.
7: Well, there's only two guys you really got to yeah, worry about They shut stuff
0: down. It's all over.
7: It's <laughs> then the that's in that. Green. Everybody else is unproven on that team. That's what I, I was talking to Larry Bird the other day, and that's what he was talking about.
0: Nice name dropper.
7: Larry. Well, not that Larry Bird.
0: Yeah. How many Larry Birds <laughs> do you know?
7: I actually do know one. Really? <laughs> From California, yeah. Yep. And he was of the Laker age fan? where he got a – Oh, uh, for sure, yeah. And he got a lot of attention being named Larry Bird. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was right during that time that I was living there. I was going to say, it was Celtic, probably right during the heyday. <laughs> Celtic Laker rivalry. 5'10, wow. 10, 10, 205? He uh, was about six foot, but uh, oh, yeah. he was proportionate. No, he's he's. I'd say, maybe 180.
0: All right, other things we talked about in addition to the Jazz. Uh, Ilya Silva, what's he going to bring to the Jazz? What is he going to add? And uh, the answers that we got ran from nothing to uh, depth to matchup potential that could help uh, Quinn Snyder based on what another team looks like and how they're playing and how they, uh, how they decide to play. And so we'll have to see how that plays out. I'm sure Quinn well, thought, will get asked about that, and I'm sure the answer no, no will be a little on the vague side. No,
7: no, I thought you brought up a good point. If you want him to be any form of sharp for the postseason, if or when you need him, well, you got to get him some time now. You just can't let him sit around. for. Yep. we still got three months to go here. <laughs> I mean, the playoffs are starting, what, mid-May? So at that point, you know that's that's a long time, and having him just, you know, do twenty minutes on the treadmill hour to stay in shape, that's not any good. And now the G League is going to be done, right? And I don't know what the rules were if he could play anyway, uh, because that was that was a bubble situation that's wrapped up or is either wrapping up here very soon. So I would suspect he Quinn would try to find some some opportunities to get the guy in there. I mean, he's going, to be making, he's going to be in the NBA, and he's going to be making NBA money, so that's better than not doing it, even if you don't get in the game. But if you want him to have any type of effectiveness, if and when you need him, you've got to find a way to, to get him in to some degree, and not just you know a minute and a half at the end of a, end of a blowout.
0: Well, it'll be interesting to see how they handle this. So I really think we'll see some guys rested in back to backs. I think Connolly's a, a natural because we've already seen him miss games with a hamstring. But I, I really do think the teams look lethargic when they've had to play that three games in four days and four and six. So if they occasionally sit a guy, uh, you know. Well, I think don't,
7: they will. I don't think it's an if.
0: Yeah. Uh, Derek Favors could probably use some time off. It'll be interesting to see if he looks better after the All Star break because he's been moving like he's limited and in pain.
7: Okay. But that even means more so that you've got to get him minutes for the opportunity that you will have for him to play valuable minutes. Yep. So that increases the ante as far as I'm concerned because of that very thing that you just said. And that's going to happen to one degree or another. And we hope it's not because you're forced. It's because it's an elective deal that you want to do that as they did with uh, Conley on the Florida trip. Who They lose to Miami, and then Mm -hmm. he didn't play for Orlando, and they still won the ball game because they're 7-0 without him. So, yeah, that that increases the need to get him in there. So you don't want to have him get in there for the first time when you really need him.
0: (laughs) No, absolutely not. College Hoops, the Utes, big, big early lead. Led by as many as 19, beat Washington by three. Huskies were never going to win that. They hit a three with eight-tenths of a second left to turn a six-point game into a three, and that's as close as they, as they were. So the Utes, now 12-12 on the year, advance to the Pac-12 quarterfinals and play USC in the quarterfinals tonight. six thirty on the Pac-12 networks, an SC team that crushed them, just ran them off the floor in L.A. But then in the second, more recent meeting, the Utes got the W when uh, USC was struggling through the mountain time zone, getting beat first in Colorado and then in Salt Lake. So... You're saying there's a chance, PK.
7: Well, if they can limit turnovers and make shots, and I, I'm a little nervous on that because they made shots against Washington,
0: and they and had Plumber really as soft, been streaky as can be. They Had some really soft yeah. turnovers in that game. Really soft,
7: totally so, enforced. The potential, no question, is there. I actually think the potential is to to win four in a row. I certainly, being in Vegas, wouldn't bet on it, and I wouldn't bet on anything anyway. But uh, just uh, you know, sort of uh, talking, uh, what's the word? Rhetorically, I think. As I'm looking forward uh, to that, I wouldn't never put any money on it. But I think they've got a shot if they can make shots. This is this is such a. Jekyll and Hyde team. That I'm surprised Larry has any hair left.
0: Hmm. Uh, I know a lot of people. And
7: please stop, stop showing Larry playing the guitar in the coach's office already. (laughs) A lot enough of it.
0: A lot of people uh, are are probably thinking, well, this team's been so inconsistent. How can they win three in a row? They did do it one time this year. They won at Colorado. They beat Arizona, and then they won at Cal. So they have had a three game win streak this year.
7: Well, that's the height of inconsistency that you win four in a row. They've lost four in a row twice. That That's the very reason why you're inconsistent and the very reason which leads me to believe you could possibly do it. As I say, I wouldn't bet on it, but it's possible.
0: Aggies play tonight. They're going to play UNLV. UNLV crushed Air Force 80-52 to in the first round of the Mountain West Tournament, so now it's Utah State and UNLV in the quarterfinals. Scotty G will have the pregame show at 6 30. The game should tip about seven o'clock here on the Zone Sports Network. And we're all expecting the Aggies to win that and get to the semis, and that's when it should get really interesting, assuming we don't have quarterfinal upsets today.
7: Assuming that, yes, I think that once we get to tomorrow, it's anybody's ball game. I give a slight edge to San Diego State, but it's anybody's ball game.
0: No, that seems uh, that seems pretty fair. Uh, the only team that would have confidence, you would think, against San Diego State is Utah State because they beat them twice, but it was early in the year and they were, both games were in Logan. So I'm sure the uh, the Aztecs would take that. And oh yeah, sure. First off, we owe them; we're due. And second off, we're not on their court at elevation, so. Probably the team that doesn't need it. The other three teams ought to be a little more desperate. They ought to be feeling various degrees of, hey, why don't we win this and not have to sweat the selection show because it might go wrong for us. So go win it. Whereas I think San Diego State's getting in. Uh, they're just playing for seeding, I think.
7: I wouldn't trust, if I'm any of the other teams. You wouldn't trust it, I would yeah. not trust the selection committee on a Sunday to call out their name. We were talking to Steve Cleveland earlier in the week, and they had 20 years ago. They won it to get in his first uh, opportunity to play in the NCAA tournament four years after he did that massive rebuilding job. And they had a really good record, but they were of the mindset of, we're not in, we've got to win. And they played in a desperate situation, and they got it done outside of the Aztecs. That's what I would think that everybody needs to do. And the great thing about that, it's not entirely wide open, but it's probably as wide open as uh, any tournament out there.
0: I don't know, can you ever get to a tournament where six teams or five teams have a chance to win? Because none of the four winning would be that surprising. Boys stayed a little bit because they didn't finish the season as strong as you expect, but it's not It's not a surprise if any of four no, they winning. Beat,
7: they beat Utah State twice. Yes, they did. You know what I mean? So yeah. you can play, we beat you, you beat yeah. us, we beat them, they beat you. I just, so you can go back and forth on that.
0: Off the top of my head, I can't think of I know five and six seeds do win tournaments. But I just don't think you go into a tournament thinking four teams could really win this, and it's not a stupid okay, thing to say I aloud. Say
7: maybe a five or six, but but I think there's some quality. This is one of the better years for the Mountain West in terms of depth.
0: You think four teams can win the Pac-12 tournament?
7: Pac-12 has been difficult to assess this season. Uh, a lot of COVID stuff going on with in and out And so what do, what do we think about that? Uh, so I think SC has the most NBA talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you wouldn't know, bet against Oregon. A nice... Probably not, uh, but...
0: So then the question is, do you I buy Colorado think... and UCLA to win the tournament? Because then fifth place Arizona isn't in the tournament. And once you get down to Oregon State, you now you got 10 a 10-10 team, and we're not picking them.
7: The Bruins have had a couple of injuries there uh, to where if they had their whole team, I could believe in them a little bit more. But right now, I can't believe in them as much. So I wouldn't, and as soon as I say that, watch them win it. <laughs> but I wouldn't say them. Colorado. Uh, Colorado was like a high-level... Utah with the inconsistency. and it went 11 and one at home. Now of course, the only loss was against the Utes in a game in which Colorado with nine minutes to go, led by 19 points. So go figure that one. So that's a little bit of a mystifying thing. but if I had to bet, I would go I would I would stay with the seed, which isn't very bold of me by any stretch, and say uh, Oregon and SC. And I think right now, if I can just eliminate that Mountain West trip for SC, which I can't, if I could, I'd go with them. And I'm probably going to go with them as a a slight favorite to win win the whole thing.
0: All right, there's some uh, there's some college basketball for you. Uh, that's mostly what we have been talking about today. Uh, we take a break right now. We're going to come back with your feedback and see how many of you are really funny and how many of you just think you're funny. We'll get to that next. Your feedback on the way. Stay with us. And that's all over. Almost here. Don't go nowhere. DJ and PK, it is time for your feedback. Yawk is having some technical issues with the open mics, but. Uh, he will work on that, and hopefully we'll have it in line tomorrow.
1: Yeah, we're hoping to have him resolved soon. So right now
7: it's a closed mic? <laughs> I, 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 I. I'm turning yours off right now. <laughs> oh, man, what a blow.
0: Question of the morning, what do you think Erson Ilyasova will bring to the Jazz? It's getting a lot of reaction. The three-peat. 20 and 10. The three-peat fan, Dan, at <laughs> USU, the right blue. Says an extra body. Can't have too much depth. We got a lot of that. They're ready for more depth, anticipating injuries and matchup issues. Warren says uh conspiracies on how old he actually is, so I hear. What? Eh, maybe he's not really thirty three.
7: Well why would what, what's up with that? This is these Dominican baseball players here? Yeah,
0: so this is the NBA version that. of that storyline, right?
7: <laughs> I've never heard that from an NBA I,
0: I do uh I don't worry about that when he gets out on the court. If he can hit the corner three and defend a little bit, cool. He can be 43. I don't care. Mm, yeah, we're going to judge him shot. on whether he can do it.
7: Okay, but at 43, he probably can't do it.
0: He probably can't. Spencer says at least one folk hero moment where he hits a big shot or makes a big defensive play in the playoffs.
7: Well, if that's true, then, then it's worth it.
0: Yep. Mark says he's insurance if Boyan or any others get hurt. That's it. Hopefully we don't need to count on him. That would also be an awesome storyline. You win a bunch and you don't need to count on him. <clears throat>
7: that's what i thought originally but as you have been talking throughout the course of the show with the idea of resting some guys because it's a heavy heavy load mm-hmm. four games a week is a lot of basketball to be playing for sure especially when you're factoring these guys are still traveling you know they're the media and stuff aren't traveling but these guys are traveling so you're probably going to need him uh so i've come around to thinking that He's just not going to be a total insurance policy completely.
0: Clint says Turkish thunder. He's got a little lightning bolt emoji, too.
7: He is from Turkey. That's a fact. Yeah. I assume old Memo Okor knows him because, as we said, all Europeans know every single other European and then if you're from the same country, no. But if you're I mean, from the I, same really, country
0: and elite player, that's gonna that's gonna shrink.
7: Yeah, the odds. but even still, I'm surprised Joe Ingles did not know John from Winnemucca, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Australia or whatever he said.
1: Wollongong or whatever he
7: said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: What does he bring yeah. to the Jazz? And Wes says unfiltered cigarettes. What? That was thirty years he was ago, big guy. On
7: the bench, <laughs> yeah. Is this Vladi Divots we're talking yeah,
0: back about? Back in the day,
1: okay, yeah, Vladi. That's twenty years ago. That's not thirty. You're right. Yeah. But he he cut that out towards the end of his career. It seemed like, but early on, man.
7: Vladi. Right guy I was says Saint uh, George. Saint George. Saint George with a guy o- over the weekend, and he lit up, and it just seems so bizarre to me. Oh, and as of the two guys I told you, I texted you, they both were. Alumni of uh, UC Santa Barbara, and they were meeting up for a little uh, long weekend golf vacation in Saint George.
0: Yeah, oh, there you go. Because the,
7: the one guy, the one one guy lit up, and that seemed uh, seemed unusual to me.
0: That's because it is. Used to be real common. I was talking with my brother about this. So, you know, we're getting to the age now where we we're starting to get to the age where we remember our grandparents at this age, They're like I don't feel like we're as old as they were and yet i know the number and we're there and he's like it's it's all the smoking he says even if you didn't smoke the secondhand smoke back then was so common if you you know got on an airplane if you got in a in a restaurant uh you just inhaled more secondhand smoke and you know you get less oxygen and and, and you end up with more wrinkles and it impacts your energy level and he said it's just it's way different we underestimate the impact that all the uh all the sm- non-smoking rules are made.
7: <laughs> yeah, my, my, my you're healthier, dropping. but you don't care. My parent, my, no, 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 no. My parents smoked until, uh, they smoked for 50-plus years. Yep. So my energy level is uh, dropping. So I just fell asleep. You're right. <laughs> no, I drove, I mean, in cars with them, with the windows up.
0: Yeah, you got a lot of singing in smoke. Yeah.
7: Oh, a ton. A ton of secondhand smoke. Yeah, absolutely. I got a picture of my mother's prom, and at the bottom of it, both of them have cigarettes. And then they both had a death scare in the mid 70s, and both of them quit cold turkey. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh,
0: Rye Guy at Judster 76 says, Urson. A good towel waver. He's got very low expectations. He'll be down at the end of the bench, waving a
7: towel. I don't even know where the end of the bench is now. They got it all scattered.
0: (laughs) They do. They got a couple rows. Donovan, in one of the road games, came out of the game and sat down. And all of a sudden, someone drove to the hoop and there was a replay. And Donovan was sitting behind the basket. You know, and that would have obviously been uh, in the, ble- the, the, the seats, the ble- not bleachers, but, you know, the seats usually collapse so they can play hockey in these arenas. Yeah, and the so, pull-out stands, yeah. Yeah, so he was like, I don't, it looked like he was like 25 feet off the end of the court, just sitting in his folding right. chair, and there was nobody else in the shot. he's just sitting by himself, arms folded, watching the game. And then I think the Jazz did something. Somebody got a three-point play or something. And so he kind of he clapped and like, all right, that was good. <laughs> like, what are you doing over there? Uh-huh. But, yeah. yeah, the end of the bench is an expression more than a place. Players are like coaches now. Are you in the first row or are you in the second row?
7: Yeah, I don't know where they go.
0: All right, DJ and PK, we're out of time. Hans and Scotty are coming up. Scotty G will do the show, and then he will have the Aggies tonight here on the Zone, 6.30 the pregame. Seven o'clock for the game, Utah State and UNLV Mountain West Commerce Tournament quarterfinals. Scotty and hands are up next. We'll talk to you.